Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. And welcome to this edition of the Hagman Report. It is Wednesday, June 20th, 2018. It's day 512 of the Donald J. Trump presidency. He's been under attack since he announced his bid for presidency about 1,100 or so days ago. About 1,102 days ago. Um, the reason I opened with that is, is have you noticed... Have you noticed the visceral hatred that is increasing on an exponential scale against not just President Donald Trump, not just the man, but the but but against the nation? Have you noticed? Have you can you feel the palpable change in just about everything that the hatred? the overt hatred that, that we see and we're experiencing on a daily basis. The, the, the Twitter messages, even by Peter Fonda, who, yeah. who, who, who made, Joe, what kind of suggestions did he, I mean, he said he, he, that, that, uh, Baron Trump should be kidnapped and put in a cage with pedophiles. You have Occupy Wall Street putting out flashcards today, uh, showing that if you encounter an ICE agent, that you should close your children's eyes, pull out your knife, stab the ICE agent, rip his heart out, and show it to the other agents as a warning. You have uh, other people saying that the DHS Secretary Nielsen should be raped. Sarah Huckabee Sanders' children should be kidnapped. This is the satanic Hollywood liberal elite that are doing this. And this, this is showing yes. the true colors. These people are the biggest and most vile filth on this planet. Thank you for saying, uh, thank you. When, when you've got, yesterday, when we watched President Trump walk through the Capitol on his way to the Speaker's office to, to discuss immigration, you had a congressional aide. Think about this, a congressional aide inside the United States Capitol. Say, Mr. President. F U. And she did not abbreviate the F word. Well, at least they're coming around. At least they called him president. <laughs> okay. But, but consider, the reason we opened with this, I'd like everyone to consider the level of hatred, the visceral hatred, the blind hatred, this unchecked, unfettered hatred against not just President Trump, not just his supporters, although they're there, but the hatred against God, the hatred against all that is good. We, we've turned some corner, and, and I know, I know with all of my heart, I know that everyone listening to the sound of my voice, you can feel, you can sense, it's palpable, the hatred that exists today. The ideological divide, as I've spoken about, has never been so great than it is today. There's a war on, a, a war um, against everything that's good. And we're not talking about atheists. 
We're, we're not talking about unbelievers. We're talking about individuals who hate God. There's a distinct difference, or a difference with a distinction, I should say, between uh, between atheists and, and those who believe and hate God. That's what we're seeing today. And, and I recall well over a decade and a half ago, well over a decade and a half ago, speaking with uh, Steve Quayle, after first meeting him and, and reading some of his headlines, some of his alerts, saying that we would be seeing, and, and you know, what's, what we're seeing today. And many called that hyperbole. And it was shortly thereafter when when I had the distinct pleasure of meeting through this this program Pastor David Langford in his warnings of the ugliness that, that that was coming were consistent with Steve's postings which were consistent with our findings and back then people called us fear mongers the purveyors of fear porn by us saying collectively and individually saying that there is a civil war coming and, and saying that we were just hyping up and, and selling fear. Yep. What do we see today? We even talked, we were even called fear mongers for talking about those Walmart closings. Exactly. That ended up becoming detention and processing centers. Which you see today in use. The reason I, I just laid that as the open. Folks, this is, and, and I don't, maybe I don't say this enough. Again, I, I'm, I live in the investigative realm in my view, but we are seeing a spiritual battle like we've never seen before in my view in, in modern history, not in history, just in modern history. These, the forces of darkness I think are ramping up. I think it's, there's clear evidence of that. I had the, uh, a distinct honor and pleasure of speaking with Steve Quayle earlier today, and we spoke about that, the spiritual warfare that's taking place. But everywhere you turn, it's it's on the rise. But the the other side of that is we are not hearing anything about the spiritual battle in terms or but by the media. And, and, and I you, wouldn't you expect, expect to. to. No, yeah, because you know what? Uh, you know, Satan rules this world. He rules the powers and institutions of this world, and the mainstream media will never offer the true solution, which is salvation through Jesus. Of course, they're going to, and they've turned to even mocking that. But you shouldn't expect it from from the mainstream media. Exactly. You shouldn't expect it from Hollywood. You shouldn't expect it from the entertainment industry. You shouldn't expect it from the political establishment. And this is they are the purveyors of that. But what's most troubling is that the churches not only are not alerting and and warning their congregants that this spiritual battle is raging. They're on the wrong side of the spiritual battle, promoting the perversion, promoting the evil. And, and Exhibit A, Joe, Exhibit A brought to brought to us, brought to this program, compliments of Coach Dave Dobmeyer at at the homosexual shame parade. The young children brought into that fold in in being forced or or, or having the parents allow them to witness the sexual gyrations, the motions, the, the, uh, uh, it's just incredible. Meanwhile, on the other side of the street, you've got Christians who, who are, are, are 
are, are saying we must coexist. How can you coexist with evil? Coexistence with evil is acquiescence to evil, in my mm-hmm. view. And, and then, of course... We don't have to tolerate evil. No, no. It, our, our, this country... We, you know, everyone says, well, we, we, especially as Christian conservatives, are too intolerant. Folks, we don't have a problem with intolerance. We have a problem with tolerance because we tolerate too much. We laid that groundwork because we've got two fantastic individuals joining us. And it's been such a long time. And I can't remember for an entire program having two people, uh, two of our in in my view, well, my best friends. I, look, folks, it doesn't matter how many friends you've got on Facebook, on Twitter, on on whatever platform you might be in which you might be engaged. What matters is the friends that you have that you can call and say, "Hey, I'm in trouble. Can you help me? Can you can you come and 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 give me some advice?" And I'll bet you that, that the majority of people listening to this program are short on friends. You might have a hundred thousand digital friends, but the number of friends you can count on your digits would be in the single, I'm sure the single, uh, uh digits. And, and both of these gentlemen represent to me a, a level of character and integrity and biblical sophistication and biblical, uh, um, truth. Honesty, no sugar coating, no prosperity gospel, because that's what that's what got us to this point here. So anyway, we, uh, just with all of the headlines today and, and how we have been lied to, deceived, and we're being gamed using the emotional hot button of children being ripped from the arms of their parents because of the immigration, the the immigration laws. You're being gamed. You're being lied to. Just understand that. Oh, does it exist? Certainly it exists, but not in the way it's being portrayed. But all of that to say this. This program tonight is dedicated to discussing the ramping up of the evil, the, the uh, uh, deceit, the evil, deceitful. That's, that's kind of an <laughs> interesting word, right? Um, but, but what we're seeing, what we as Christians and conservative Christians can do, we mu- what we must recognize and can do. And it's interesting because all of this goes back to what, what Steve Quayle had started initially talking about Genesis 6 and what Pastor David Langford has been talking about forever. And that's, that's real Christianity, the unadulterated non-prosperity gospel that we all need to listen to. One of the most, in my view tonight, one of the most important programs we can bring on and we've had on Diamond and Silk, you know, the Internet sensations, not to disparage anyone. We've had on some of the most popular people on the Internet. But when it all comes right down to it, it's it's what we're going to be talking about tonight. That's really at the core of importance. And with that, I just want to welcome both Steve Quayle, stevequayle.com, and Pastor David Langford, the voice of evangelism. Just just go to hagmanreport.com. The links for both are there. Folks, please pull up a chair, join us, and listen as we engage in this conversation. I'm going to just uh, turn it over to Steve Quayle. Steve, welcome. Welcome, my friend. Welcome, my brother. 
Well, thank you, Doug, and uh, good evening, everyone, and Joe, nice to talk to you. It's been a while since Pastor David Langford and I have been on together, but tonight I want to, before David and I even begin to go where we believe the Lord is leading us, and that's, Doug, you mentioned all the spiritual warfare, <clears throat> excuse me, and everything taking place against us. I want to ask everyone to be remembering Henry Gruber and prayer. He's really having an issue with his health. His wife is very, very ill. Uh, actually, uh, she probably won't be around too much longer. But Henry is, is under the most extreme attack. And for every one of you that has seen any of the videos, heard him on Hagman and Hagman, uh, been present at any of his meetings throughout the world, throughout the country, I'm asking everybody worldwide to join with us for Henry's miraculous uh, turnaround. And when I say this, I don't have liberty to talk about it, but he needs a miraculous touch. Now, Henry's uh, battled cancer to the point where he had to be carried off a stage and absolutely stood in faith. But he's worn out, and quite candidly, ladies and gentlemen, he needs our support as he continues to pray for all of us. So, Pastor David, if you wouldn't mind, uh, would you call on God, and I'll agree with you, and if there's anything that, you know, I sense in my spirit, because Henry is a dear brother to you, he's a dear brother to me, we've known him for the same amount of time, you've ministered with him, I've ministered with him, but this is really critical. Absolutely, Steve. You know, uh, Henry's been one of the great patriarchs of the faith in this dispensation of time. And so as we pray tonight, let's just plead the blood of Jesus, uh, the powers and the blood of the Lamb. Revelation twelve eleven says, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and through the word of their testimony. Nothing can ever substitute the power that is the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why it had to be shed for redemption, to atone for sins. And you can use a lot of words, a lot of verbiage, but when you use the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, it, it makes a difference. So let's just believe God tonight. Heavenly Father, as we come humbly before your mighty throne tonight, Father, we come in submission. We surrender our thoughts, our mind, our lips to you tonight for the sake of touching those who are listening. Father, we lift up Brother Henry Gruber tonight. I pray that you would send your quickening word to his home, to his body. Bring healing, bring deliverance, for, Lord, you're the God of all flesh, and you decreed, is there anything too hard for me? Lord, you said in your word, if we'd call upon you in the day of trouble, you would hear us, you would deliver us, and therefore in return we would glorify your name. I pray that the angels of God would camp round about him and his wife Judah. God, they need your touch. We ask humbly tonight for the touch of God. We believe we are in agreement tonight. And where two or three are gathered together in your name, you said, there am I in the midst of them. Lord, we know we cannot do this in ourselves. That's why we reach out to you in faith. For faith stirs you, Lord, because without faith it is impossible to please you. Now I just pray the healing virtue of Christ our Lord would go forth and be made manifest, Father, there are others tonight who need a touch in their body as well. There are those yes. who need a touch in their mind. God, I just speak the words of peace and placidity to those who feel like they're in such a great tempest that they, they feel like quitting. They feel like walking away from the fight and going back into this world. We rebuke that spirit of fear. 
and that spirit that tries to hold them hostage, Lord. And we just pray that you would break the shackles and the chains and the fetters and set them free. Loose tonight those who are in bondage. Loose our tongues tonight to speak the oracles of God. And we humbly ask it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And, and Pastor, we're seeing now, just even in the headlines today, this is critical. Canada has declared war on Christians. And as I was praying and just pondering you and I coming on tonight that the Lord would lead us where we need to go, here are the words the Lord dropped into my spirit. He said, Steve, within a few years, unless Canada repents, the entire country will have turned to Islam. Now, boy, I'm telling you this. I knew we were going to talk about spiritual warfare. I didn't know that that would be the case. I'm sorry if anybody, my Canadian audience, it's not a question of just Canada, because we're underway there, too. But the point is, is that war has been declared on Jesus. And I think of the scripture, David, when, when the Lord puts out a request, who will stand for me? Who will go for me? And who, which prophet said, here I am, Lord, send me. But now, daily, daily, the, how do I say, acquiescence to hell, the surrender to political correctness, and it brings us to that point, Pastor, where the Lord gave you the word, what was it, a year ago or a little longer, that everything is going to accelerate now. So, ladies and gentlemen, you, whether you like it or not, are in the biggest battle of history. For the Bible, which is obviously my foundation, Pastor David Langford's foundation, Doug's foundation, and everybody else out there that stands with us, that is what we lean on, that is what we rely on, the Word of God. And we're told to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And it's my prayer, David, on the second hour, if we can, we'll go with spiritual warfare as based in Ephesians, and then go into our failure to acknowledge with that which Jesus has given to us as his image bearers and as his anointed ones. So let's go right in, David, Ephesians six ten through 20, because quite candidly, the anti-Christian laws, the absolute abrogation of biblical norms, biblical standards, and again, the silence in the pews, the silence in the pulpits. Now, I want to make it clear, I'm not talking about every pulpit, every pew, but that which the world sees represented, there is a silence about declaring the holiness of God and speaking out against the evil of the evil one that is now taking control. And you know, Pastor, it's something that we've got to deal with because the Scripture says it was given power unto the devil to make war on the saints. So we're at war, and I don't think, you know, uh, that most people even get the idea uh, that there's a war going on, and they make the easy prey. You know, Christians of all people should know that we are in the midst of the greatest spiritual struggle, although many don't seem to believe it. And the many who do consider themselves in the war do not understand the nature of Satan's schemes or of his weapons which he employs or the weapons which God has provided for our defense or the people that the enemy is using to accuse us night and day before God's throne. So, Pastor, let's go to uh, Ephesians 6:10 through 20, because I think it's critical, because we are fighting a spiritual war, but we've become so carnal, so devoid of the power of the Holy Ghost, so rational, so, how should I say this, impotent, that, you know, I, I think of the words of Jesus. 
when the Lord returns, will he find faith in the earth? Go ahead, David. You know, Steve, uh, the Apostle Paul there in Ephesians 6 and 10, uh, we overlook so many words when we're reading the Bible and their meaning. But that first verse there in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So as Paul starts to elaborate, the word finally there is actually henceforth. Henceforth, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And what he's telling us there, we have to be empowered. And and, and that's uh, another Greek word. We've heard the Greek word dunamis, but the word strong there in the Greek is endunamu, uh, to be empowered with this strength. Why? Because Paul understood warfare. If any man ever understood the gravity of spiritual warfare, it was the Apostle Paul. He, 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 he said, the beast of Ephesus withstood me. There's a lot of conjecture on what that could have been. I believe uh, it's talking about Satan, as Peter described him in 1 Peter 5 and 8. Peter said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Satan is on the prowl even tonight. He's seeking those who are not strong. He is seeking those who are not empowered. He is seeking those who have a a a, a flaw uh, 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 in their gar- in their in their armor, where he can penetrate and shoot those fiery darts and and take a stronghold in the lives of God's people. And you know the warfare is only going to get worse. Stephen, I've talked about this for years and years, and you're witnessing uh, the strength of the strongholds as they're getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And the only way for the believer, the Christian, I'm not talking about people who honor God with their mouth and honor God with their lips. I'm talking about those who toe the line, who have a a, a great godly conscience. And along with that conscience, they possess conviction where they can't do things, they can't go places, they can't say things for the sake of grieving the Holy Spirit. Uh, Ephesians 4.30, Paul said, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you were sealed until that day of redemption. Once a person becomes saved, it's the sealing of the Holy Spirit. And no man can break that seal. Satan can't break it. But here's the problem. Paul said, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you were sealed until that day of redemption. So what does that tell you? That tells you that Satan has the ability to come in and, and, and set up a stronghold in your life by your frequently grieving the Holy Spirit. And, and that's something we, we don't want to do. We don't want to break that seal of it that's in our lives by the Holy Spirit of God. When a seal is broken, something can leak out. Uh, something can perish. God's not willing that any should perish. We're clay jars. We are earthen vessels, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. It's the Spirit of God that is in us that enables us, that, that empowers us to do what we need to do. First uh, John 4, 4, John said, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. This, this that we speak of is, is the power of the Holy Ghost. Him having a place of residence 
and our hearts. He will rise up within us and help us to war valiantly. And we can overcome, we can conquer the enemy. You, you know, the Bible said in Second Chronicles twenty seventeen, You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation or the deliverance of God with you. The word salvation, both in Hebrew and Greek, means deliverance. So God is able to utterly deliver us, but we cannot afford to give place to the devil. So when Paul begins these closing statements in Ephesians 6, he's, he's, he's saying to the church, Finally, my brethren, you must be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Only by his power, only by his spirit, only by his word, can the believer accomplish and do the things that they need to do. And, Steve, as you well know, Joe and Doug, the, the church, as Doug said before the program, um, the church is so anemic, and, and preachers aren't preaching anything relative to the dudamus power or the endumu of power that will empower us to do the things that we need to do in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have a weak, impotent, incompetent, inept church that can can hardly do anything today except beg and plead for money and preach prosperity. There's no, there's no warfare in that. There's no warfare at all in that. The warfare is when the believer encounters satanic opposition, satanic oppression. Now, G, uh, Peter said, talking about Jesus in Acts 10.38, he said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. What made Jesus so powerful was the Holy Ghost. And he was able to minister to people, whether they were oppressed or whether they were possessed. As a Christian, we're not possessed with the devil, but we can certainly be oppressed of the devil. He can, he can find a place, uh, create a, a, an affliction, an anomaly, a malady. Uh, he can use somebody who's not serving God and stir their heart and their spirit to oppose you. Some of you listening tonight, whether it's a family member, a spouse, an employer, an employee, Satan will stir them to come and bring opposition against you. And what are they trying to do? Satan is using that person to oppose you and to oppress you and to bring you down. And so Jesus did what he did under the power of the Holy Ghost. That's why you see he did nothing relative to miracles, anything, until afterwards when he came out of the wilderness and he came into the synagogue and they handed him the scroll and we read it at Luke's, uh, Luke 4.18, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of the sight of the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Why and how could Christ do what he did? How could the Apostle Peter, how could John, how could Paul, how could these men do this? By the endowment of power of the Holy Ghost in their lives. So this is why the church needs a, a revival, a deluge, a freshet of the Spirit of God. 
John 15, 5, Jesus said, I'm the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And, and all the Holy Ghost is, is the Spirit of God substituting the very presence of Christ on the earth. So with, with, without the Holy Ghost, and, I, and I'm amazed at, at churches, organizations, denominations, who never preach and advocate and appropriate, we need this power. And that's why Paul said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. God can do anything. And if God lives in you, he resides in you, you're able to do great things because you've been made to sit in heavenly places. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But right now, the prince of the power of the air is working. And this is why Paul talked about having on the helmet of salvation. Why? Your head is forever in the air. And the prince of the power of the air is working profusely. It's kind of like microwave signals, except they're demonic. They're, they're traveling. The communication is traveling all the time. We, we don't see it. But it's, it's traveling all through the atmosphere. Well, that's what Satan does himself. But the difference is, of course, he can use that technology for... Uh, evil purposes and reasons, but the, the the devil is doing that, and that's why the the battle is so constantly in the mind. And people sometimes regretfully they become a hostage to their mind, whether it's something that happened in the past, or something in the present, or fear of the future. Satan doesn't care how he does it, just as long as he can seize your mind and torment your mind and vex your mind. And the only way to overcome that is by having the power of Christ in our lives. That's how we overcome everything. Steve, I'm going to give it back to you. Well, excuse me. One of the most important premises of the Word of God is that we're translated from this world and we're seated in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. However, when we pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, God is commanding us, David, and empowering us to stand against the wicked one. Jesus took it all back from the devil. He is the ultimate victor. But now people have got to be raised up. And by the way, everything changed after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus told his disciples that it was necessary for them for for them for him to go away. But he'd send the comforter. And and Pastor Langford, if I were to say one thing I've noticed by voluminous emails, uh, let's see, so far this year, 126,740, I'm reading it off my mailbox, is that people are desperate. They're desperate for a move of God. I got a call from a guy, uh, forgive me, I got an email from a guy, I got a call from another guy in South Africa, and just saying, help, I've strayed away from the straight and narrow. I want Jesus so bad. Am I beyond the point of redemption? I said, absolutely. Absolutely not. The point that you called me and emailed me, I guess he tried to call me and then he had to settle for emailing, uh, you know, shows that God is still working on your heart. And one of the best promises
promises in the Word of God is where, you know, God says, Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them as white as wool. I'll make you as white as wool. So only God can basically give the uh, blood of Jesus that makes white. It's kind of a, a, an amazing thing. The, the red crimson flow from Calvary makes our stained sin garments as white as snow. And what's interesting about white is, is it stands in direct opposition to the shadow government and that which inhabits darkness, the shadows. And so one of the things that I'm praying tonight, Doug and Joe, is for the entire audience to get so blessed with this that you don't have to just wait for martyrdom. Surely it will come for some. It's already coming for a lot around the world. But the point is, is that if you know that God has empowered you, that he will literally lead you step by step, then simply take it by faith that if God says it, why would I doubt it? Now, here's the thing of doubt. We've all had doubt. I have it. I repent of it, but I have it from time to time. I have fear. I'm not supposed to have it, but I repent of it. And I quote the scripture, for God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. People are losing their minds, everyone, and entire nations are going demon-possessed. Now, the principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. It is my, and I'm speaking for myself, it is my contention after all these years of study and research that the world leaders are controlled from behind the scenes like puppets. They've either sold their souls, they've been compromised, and oh, by the way, all of this stuff about children, you know, being separated from their parents, what you've got to understand has been going on against Christians through child protective services and it's been taking place in this country against homeschoolers and Christians. Ladies and gentlemen, when when those of us who brought out the red list, the blue list, and the uh, green list, and I was given that you know 20-some years ago by a gentleman in the Environmental Protection Agency who was high up, and he, you know, I, I've said this before, it cost him his life. The thing that I think people need to realize, understand that we're in the vilification stage, we're identifying vilify, nullify, destroy. They're nullifying Christians now in order to build public opinion against them. So just as this whole issue with mothers being separated from the kids, it's a hypocrisy that the left promotes, but never deals with, you know, the previous abomination administration, or do they deal with all of the perversion going on with child trafficking by, you know, Bill Clinton's former good friend, Jeffrey Epstein? Let me tell you why that is, and this gets into the spiritual war, David, I'm going someplace. When Epstein was given the choice to spend the rest of his life in prison, he had to come into a deal with somebody. I think we know who the somebody was. And in turn, a lot of tapes of a lot of perverse and deadly actions against little children, including cannibalism, were turned over to the, quote, uh, law enforcement authorities. So by controlling and blackmailing the politicians, there is no truth that can come out. Because I, I maintain, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, Pastor, and all of you who are Christians, there is no truth in the land anymore. Canada has just made it illegal to preach against sodomites, and they've in, they've uh, put out a blanket arrest warrant for a gentleman that's talking about the, they will no longer allow freedom of expression or freedom of speech. 
Not only that, but the, the courts are ruling against everything faith-based and also promoting everything that's Muslim. And ladies and gentlemen, I think the Canadians have the right to ab absolutely petition uh, their Prime Minister Trudeau and ask him, have you converted to Islam? Someone says, well, what does that have to do with anything? It has to do with everything. Because, again, what we're seeing is the identification, vilification, nullification means Christians aren't even worth giving the time of day to, and then IVND destruction. I believe the next phase that's going to go worldwide is destruction. We've seen it in Syria, we've seen it in Iraq, we've seen it in Afghanistan, we've seen it in Turkey. We're seeing it all over the world now with mock, mocking, ridicule, scorn. And ladies and gentlemen, I remember when Pastor David Langford and I first started talking on talk radio, we said back then, David, and I don't know the exact year, Hawk would know, he's got a memory better than, you know, my hard drive, but we said that day will come when the Bible will be illegal to own and preaching the gospel will be a felony. You remember that? Yes, I do. So now, ladies and gentlemen, we're at the point where stuff is happening so fast. And let me share this from an insider, and I'll turn it right back over to you, Pastor. Uh, this is from an insider who is, is literally in that world, okay? And here's what she said. Steve, there is a flurry about the children being separated at the borders from their families. This is an exercise. One of the objectives of Katrina was the separation of families and the reunification if the parents were deemed not a danger to the child and if the environment was safe. They subtly address radiation, so if there's any radiation in the air, schools don't have to release the children to their parents. I did some stories on it years ago, but they're lost when my site was hacked. So what uh, this person, highly placed person, is saying, this, ladies and gentlemen, is a controlled experiment to see the response. Now understand, there's two key words here, that the danger to the child and that the environment was safe. It is going to be, now Christians, don't get mad, pray about this. If the Christians, now why am I saying the Christians? Because they're singled out above all others for destruction. If we don't get serious and man up for those who have been biologically endowed with, with that uh, procreative ability to stand against evil, to pray in intercessory prayer, to stop this tide, it is our children and grandchildren who will be taken away because Christians will be considered, I've already seen the laws, they're already written, to, uh, to be endangering the child's welfare and providing an unsafe environment. And ladies and gentlemen, it happened whether it was uh, the, the Jewish children being uh, you know, taken from their parents in Africa, the parents are murdered and the children are take, taken either to sell into slavery or worse. We're seeing it happening with Child Protective Services in specific areas uh, of this country. We're seeing that there's no accountability for all these kids that disappear. We're hearing of some of the most perverse, vomitous, horrid uh, uh, wretched uh, 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 things that can be done to kids being done, and still not one mention of it on the big guys on TV. I'm talking about those who have the pulpits of fifty thousand or you know famous uh, famous television personalities. Because quite candidly, David, I don't think they care. You care to comment? Oh, you're exactly right. Um, Hillary Clinton, and this really struck me the other day profusely. 
Uh, I see her as the Wicked Witch and uh, the Wizard of Oz. That's how I see her face. And here she was talking, and she, she, she misquoted Jesus. She said, Suffer the little children unto me, not let the little children suffer. When I heard her say that, the hypocrisy stinks to high heaven because she's willing to let a child come to full term and then pull its head out, take the scissors and put them in the back of the skull, burst the head, suck the brains out. And when she said, suffer the little children unto me, now this, this wasn't a vision, this wasn't, you might say it was a revelation, it was an enlightening, because I, did, I didn't actually see anything, but I could see it in my mind, her at the, at the end of the stirrups, as the as the the lady that's supporting the child is, is is on the gurney, and that's exactly why Hillary is saying, "Suffer the little children unto me." The word "suffer" in the Greek means to allow or to tolerate. Allow, tolerate the little children to come unto me. Why? I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to take them and use them for blood offerings and sacrifices, and. We mentioned a moment ago from Ephesians 2 and 2, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now, the children of disobedience, it did not say not disobedient children, but children of disobedience. So what does that mean? That means they're sons and they're daughters of Satan in a special manner. That's who these people are. They are not disobedient children, but they're sons. And they're daughters of Satan. And therefore, this is why he goes on to say that the, 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 uh, the uh, wrath of God in Ephesians 5 and 6, that the wrath of God, again, same phrase, Ephesians 5 and 6, that the wrath of God is going to come on the children of disobedience. In other words, sons of Satan, daughters of Satan. That, that's, what, that's what Paul is saying there. It's not disobedient children. I have had four children that there are times of disobedience, but they were sons and daughters of my loins. They, 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 they were birthed naturally through me. We, when we become born again, and we disobey or we err, we just are merely disobedient children in the eyes of God. That's not what these people are. These are the spawn of Satan himself. So that's why Paul, every time he calls them children of disobedience, children of Satan. And so this is what's taking place. And this is, this is what creates the great warfare. Because they stand before the public and they talk about, oh my God, Ripping, rip that phrase, ripping, tearing these children apart from their parents. What do you do when you abort a child, pray tell? You rip it. You tear it apart from its mother's womb. And whether it's a saline solution or you vacuum the, the, the body out of the, the, the womb and you lay all the broken, fragmented body parts on the, the table and you see a leg, you, you see a, an arm, you, you, you see a hand. Oh, this, this is what's lying there. And these hypocrites, Elijah Cummings, all of them, all of them, I, I was so angry when I heard that verbiage because they're all for aborting and murdering 60-some million children. 
Why? Because they are the sons and the daughters of Satan. And that's why they have no God consciousness. See, these people are reprobate. You see, when, when you, you people come to a point when they rebel and they refuse and they resist God, Genesis 6 and 3, he said, My spirit will not always strive with man. What does that mean? God says, I'm not going to keep contending for your soul. I'm not going to waste my love and my conviction and try to woo you to the saving grace and knowledge of my son, Jesus Christ. I will turn you over to a reprobate mind. These people, is it amazing, Steve, uh, Joe, Doug, how that since Donald Trump has come in the presidential office, how much Bible is being advocated and appropriated, some of it's used correctly, most of it's used incorrectly. I'm telling you, when you look at Hillary, and she says, suffer the little children unto me, that, that went through my heart. She's like she's seducing people. She's seducing the government. It's just, when you read Revelation 17 and 18, you see the harlot, you see the whore. And, and I'm doing a series right now out of Isaiah chapter 1. And verse 21 says, How has the faithful city become a harlot, become a whore? Once was righteousness, once was justice, once was truth, but now it's full of murderers, Isaiah said. Think about that. How did America come to this day? How did the faithful city, Jerusalem, now become a harlot? It's because of an utter loss of conviction, an utter loss of, 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 of acknowledging God. Uh, you know, uh, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach unto any people. Every time Donald Trump does something right, the tide goes up. Regretfully, those who have boats in the ocean, the tide of, or the economy, their, their boat rises up too, just like it rains on the just and the unjust. And this only brings about more deception because they're believing, I'm getting by. I'm lying, I'm cheating, I'm maligning, I'm, I'm, I'm in rebellion, I'm, I'm doing all this ungodliness. But God, and that's, that's always the way man has been, God is not watching us. He's not watching what's going on, but he is. He is. And so righteousness lifts us up. And every time anyone does the right thing, there, there's, a, there's a blessing in that. It's like with the nation of Israel. When they had a godly king, things went good. But as soon as a wicked king got in office, everything went downhill. And then all of these, these uh, iniquitous deeds and acts and perversions would explode. And, and so we've had a plethora of that. And, and I believe this is just a, 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 a parenthetical reprieve, a parenthetical time. And, and they, when God judges America, he can say, I, I blessed you one more time before I jerked the rug out from underneath you and, and, and allowed you to be lost, eternally lost. But we've got to wake up and realize these people are evil. These people are evil. They can lie with, with, with such a casualness. I mean, just look at you and lie to you. Why? Because they are the children of Satan. They're not disobedient children. They are children of the devil. As I said, a, a Christian can disobey, but that doesn't make him a child of hell, a child of the devil. But those that are doing these things, these are the children of Satan, the children of Lucifer. And this is why they're working feverishly. And, you know, God, for whatever reason, and, and, and you know, Steve, you remember when we were doing some of the, the, the YouTubes in, in December, uh, 
I, that was a revelation God gave me in Isaiah 45, in verses 2 and 3, where God said, I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. That's what God is doing right now. He's giving Donald Trump the treasures of darkness and the hidden riches of secret places. People thought all this stuff was buried. Nobody would ever find it in a vault, buried so deeply that it could never be exposed. But God is bringing it out in a timely manner. And, and Steve, you said it for years. God is going to show America the sins and the misdeeds of its leadership before he destroys us. And look how much God is exposing. I'm going to give it back to you, Steve. Well, I think, you know, David, things are, are, the line has been drawn in eternity. Not the sand, you know, uh, the sand that has already emptied the upper chamber in an hourglass. But the point being is, is that, uh, you know, people have lost track of who God is, and a lot of that is due to the lack of teaching. And one of the things that's on my heart, I absolutely uh, cannot get away from it, is, uh, you know, uh, Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Uh, remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other, no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. I can tell you this, some of the hardest uh, how do I say this? The people that have the hardest time with that are the people that have word, used the C word, compromised, and I'll add this S word, surrendered. Now, compromise and surrender, one leads to the other, just as night follows day. Because, again, the idea is simply this. We're looking for a, a city whose builder and maker is God, but we want to be pouring the concrete. And by the way, I'm not picking on anybody or, or, you know, doing the things in what we do in this world in order to facilitate the gospel, not to frustrate the gospel. And I should say we are to be doing that. The problem is, is that there, are, there's, there has grown up a generation that knows not God. All of the, uh, facts, all of the neuroscientists, all of the, uh, if you will, brain chemistry that's being uh, investigated, especially on video games, is showing that the kids have been basically hijacked. They have been neuro, uh, we'll call it neuro hijacked into a world that is virtual and not literal. So the thing is, is that, you know, I think there was a book once called The Captivating of the American Mind or The Stealing as in Thievery of the American Mind. But what people don't understand is somebody used to say, it used to be a joke to say, are you living in an alternative universe? Well, the answer is a generation of kids does live in an alternate universe. And it is a biblical mandate and a biblical principle that sometimes God skips an entire generation, does he not? He basically passes on the current generation, goes to the, the generation that's to follow. So saying that, I don't think Christian parents understand that abandoning our kids to the spirit of the age. I, I see little kids now with, uh, I don't know, all the deals, the tablets, the iPads, the iPods. You know, they know how to use their iPhone. And maybe it's God's dealing with me to say, you know, I tell people I got a smartphone and I still don't know how to forward this or that because it's not as important to me as doing what God's called me to do. But
But ladies and gentlemen, we've told you the, the information out there. Do you remember, David, a couple of years ago? Now, Doug, we're going to reminisce a little bit. We were telling people that television was watching them. They weren't watching television. We were telling them that there are smart, uh, how do I say this, that there is an intelligence capturing all data, everything you think, everything you do, everything you say, everything you post, everything, everything, everything. And now uh, that the truth of, and I call it faces of death book, okay, I've called it that from the beginning. Now that the truth is coming out on that, people are finding they can't get out of that world, even if they want to. Facebook or Faces of Death book haunts them. And so the the immediacy of uh, uh, being tied to a continual data stream allows us, well, it doesn't give us any respite. So, you know, just for me, I'll tell you, I have been taking more liberty away, and, and I've been spending, David, I figured out, on an average day, eight to ten hours a day, not at once, but throughout the day, posting, posting, posting. And I finally said, Lord, what 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 is going to come of this if it doesn't provoke your people to stand, if it doesn't provoke them to rise, if it doesn't provoke them to consider you, and if it doesn't con- uh, uh, provoke them to, to look? And, and I said, Lord, you know, then what good does it do? Now, look, I know I get emails saying, here's what you're doing. I get people emailing me all the time. I make no uh, fun of it or sport of it. It's the most important thing to me when someone says and emails me and says, thank you for leading me to Jesus. Thank you for answering questions that my pastor wouldn't talk about, that my pastor wouldn't deal with, that my pastor had no answers with. Or like one South African guy said, I don't want to hear about giants. I don't want to hear about spiritual warfare. God's love. That's all we need to focus on. I'll, I, I think if he maintains his testimony, he can remind that to the people that are putting him up against the wall to uh, shoot him. The unrepent excuse me, the unrepentant attitude towards babies being butchered in the womb, to babies and children being sold into sexual slavery, to the allowing the false narrative to stand. And by the way, I'm sorry, I, I'll apologize. I won't say it, but I'd apologize for mouth, my mouth. I would say this is the biggest batch of bull manure I've ever heard. You hypocrites, you frauds, you lying devils, you never deal with this stuff. You never dealt with the abomination administration. And yes, I'm calling it the abomination administration because the press always gave him a free pass. And what Donald Trump is learning, that when you stand for righteousness, you will be persecuted. Go ahead, David. Well, absolutely, Steve. And, and that's, that's the intensity of the warfare. As long as the church lays to the side, and, and that's what the church has done, and God has brought Donald Trump in, and he's the guy that is stirring the, the ministry and ministers. You know, at the end of the day, all of this boils around your relationship with Christ. Uh, is the discipline there to pray? Is the discipline there to read the Bible? I was speaking with someone last night on the phone, and I, 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 I try not to have a perpetual pattern in my life. Now, I, I pray every day. There's not a day that, that goes by that I do not pray. But in my life, there are times I will, I will make a, a point to mark on the calendar for 30 consecutive days that I take the time to get on my knees before God and, and, and just set that time aside. Now, 
I don't want to be repetitious, as Jesus said. I don't want to be in a rut, because I know I can't earn anything, earn anything from God. I can't merit anything from God. But it's the fact of me disciplining my life that I will pray and seek God's face. See, uh, you've heard me say this too many times. People seek God's hand, and they're wanting God to do something, move something, uh, help me here, deliver me here, give me money, get me out of debt, whatever the case might be. But when you seek his face, you're seeking nothing but intimacy. Psalms 105 and 3, David said, Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. And, and that just simply means, God, I want, I want to spend time in your presence. So I will discipline myself uh, an hour a day reading the Bible, uh, 30 days in prayer. That I will, I will make it a point to come to the office, get on my knees, and fellowship with God. This is what moves God, and this is what makes people strong and have the boldness to stand up and do the things that God has called us to do. So at the end of the day, it's about discipline, and that's where we get the word disciple, discipleship. We're following the tenets, the dogma, the teachings of Christ, and this is what Amen. makes us strong. The more Pastor I Langford, pray, I don't yes, mean to cut you off, buddy, but we are up against our top okay. of the hour break. When we come back, Pastor Langford and Steve Quayle will be with us, uh, and they're going to be with us throughout the rest of the show, so make sure you don't go anywhere on this Wednesday edition. Stay tuned. back to this Wednesday, June 20th, 2018 edition of the Hagman Report. We are so blessed to be joined by Pastor David Langford and Steve Quayle from stevequayle.com, Pastor Langford, the voice of evangelism. And this spiritual battle that we're talking about that has been raging, continuing to intensify, is manifesting itself in several ways. And we talked about it in the first hour. Look at the vulgar. Look at the perversion that is spewing out of some of these people uh, in the establishment, political establishment, entertainment and Hollywood establishment, media establishment, unbelievable. Even calling for the uh, Baron Trump to be locked in a cage with a pedophile, kidnapped, locked in a cage and a pedophile. This is their, uh, you know, response to the immigration policies that are, were already on the books that President Trump is just enforcing. But the evil is manifesting in several different ways. The perversion of children, the, the transgenderism agenda, the homosexual agenda, drug addiction, so much more. Pastor Langford, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you take us uh, where you want to go this hour. Well, I, I, I appreciate what you said there about Peter Fonda. This yeah. is, this is the, the hypocrisy, folks. It, it, it's unfathomable that these people are all for murdering babies every day, 4,600 babies a day in America. And I concluded after hearing and witnessing some of the things this is why it's so imperative for us to be on our A game and our prayer, our fasting, our, our Bible study, because this is only going to intensify. And, and what the liberals are doing, they're throwing up everything they can, like jello, 
hoping something will stick to the wall and the people will get focused on it and turn in opposition toward Donald Trump because they have nothing to offer. They have nothing that will will, will, will help the nation, that will make the nation a better place. Uh, every, every statistic, food stamps, unemployment, everything is going down because someone is in office desirous to do the right thing, desirous to be a, a person of righteousness, just... I'm not saying he's a godly man. I would, it would be ridiculous. But he's trying to do the right thing. And that's what God honors. That's why we call it righteousness, doing the right thing. So these liberals are going to do everything between now and November uh, to sling stuff out of, the, uh, out of the pond, the scum pond, hoping that something will attach itself to the wall and people will laser in and focus in on that and they'll turn where there's hatred, malice, or whatever against Trump when he's trying to do the right thing. And he's right when he says these people are obstructionist. That's all they are. Because I don't remember who it was. Joe, you may remember, uh, said that if the, if the Democratic Party lost the election in 2020, the presidential election, they would be over with as, as far as a, a, an entity. And so... There are those out there who are aware, and Soros made the statement, Donald Trump is destroying all of his plans. You see, God is still in control. But if we don't stay on the firing line, like the old song goes, keep on the firing line, we're gonna, we'll lose everything that God has given us, and it will only get worse. It, it, it doesn't get better. It just gets worse. And as Steve Wells said a moment ago, we're raising a generation that knew not God. That's Judges chapter 2, verse 10. And if we're not careful, this is what we're doing. Because I said to someone the other day, when I was a kid, Steve, you remember this growing up, uh, people would pray through in, in the altars and the church services to the, to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But nobody, much less, preaches repentance, much less the deeper things of God. So you have... Uh, an enormous amount of casual Christianity, you know, everybody's just cool, we're all just hanging out, and poof, one day we're going to be gone. In the meantime, eat, drink, and be merry. There's nothing to worry about. But we both know that's not reality. I'm going to give it back to you, Steve. Well, one of the things that, David, I believe that we live in a world now that the enemy, the the principalities and powers of spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, remember, everyone, we're at the time where they're still uh, in the heavenly places, a majority, but the time comes when they come to earth and absolutely are manifesting in their presence. David, if I said one year ago that my email was filling up with people having encounters with demonic entities, with incubus, with succubus, absolutely Christians terrified, uh, seeing things they've never seen before, experiencing things they've never experienced before. It's because the gates of hell have opened. I got another email from a person today that's in the world of, uh, 
do I say this? She's a believer. She left the world of insiders, insiders. But the email she sent me, and this is a real email. I mean, I, I don't know if I sent it to you, Doug. I can't. I can send it to you, David. I know this person. Her husband, she's, she, you know, he, he's my heavenly brother now, was one of the finest men in the world. And that's not an understatement. That's just basically probably the most amazing man I, I, I've ever met in my life. Well, he went to be with Jesus, but I think it's important that people understand they are openly confessing behind the scenes, and this is the power broker, brokers, that they have opened the dragon portal. Now, I'm not giving any secret message in this. I'm giving a warning. The dragon portal. She then went on to define that the initial presentation of the Dragon Portal is they're working overtime to rob mankind of their free will. David, this is the powers that be. These are they who will not rest night and day until they have destroyed the last vestige of Adam and Eve's progeny and the last vestige. Now, they're not going to succeed. So when people ask me, why do you write about giants? Why do you talk about all this stuff? Just preach Jesus. Well, I'll tell you what, I have been preaching Jesus for 25 years on talk radio, never apologizing. By the grace of God, I pray I never do. But the point is, is that people are coming to Jesus because if the church would have dealt with the days of Noah and the words of Jesus, they'd go, that's just violence. Well, they don't understand. The word is corruption. Everything that God has done and given to us as a blessing is being corrupted. The air we breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat, every single thing is corrupted. And I think it's important, you guys, and I will tell you this, that um, I'm trying to get some more detail. And when these people risk their lives, and you know, this isn't melodrama. Those of you that hate me and are so baptized in battery acid, please don't even do me the disservice of listening to me. But the bottom line is there are people that are putting their lives on the line because right now, for whatever reason, they can't come out and say, hi, my name is this, blah, 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 blah. But the point is, is that now the idea is to completely divorce man kind from that heritage, excuse me, that God has for his children. And, you know, we're told over and over and over that God's people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And what's problematic to me in that world, David, is the fact that I don't think most people believe that. That in essence, and it's not because God doesn't contend, and, and we know we've talked about the devil has to tell us, I believe, what he's going to do, and he just simply does it, and God's people are so indifferent that they don't care. You know? Absolutely. So the I idea from her, and I'll say this, the idea is coming that now they're working overtime to destroy free will and take total control of the human mind, okay? This is what they're doing. Uh, they're talking behind the scenes about trustworthiness. They want to degrade the mind so that they need, and you and me, I are supposedly in need of a personal AI assistant and to implant 
you know, to help us with our cognitive skills. Uh, they're talking about Revelation 13, although not in biblical terms. And she goes on to say, the Holy Spirit gave me the key word two weeks ago, fractured. And I love that word, you know. And they keep talking about fracturing everything from the dimensions that exist, body, culture, etc. In essence, it's do away with everything that God created and insert in its place, insert in its place that which the devil is orchestrating and that these people are building upon to bring to fruition their new world demonic order. And the, the idea that the, the code word, the dragon portal is open, is being repeated. You and I both know they only say stuff like that because they want people to know, you know. They want people to know. So the thing is they're destroying our bodies and getting us to atrophy by, you know, making us a bunch of, uh, you know, overweight uh, uh, couch potatoes or uh, lazy boys. And, and look at it the same way with video gamers. They just announced the other day that video gamers will become the highest paid athletes, they're calling them athletes, in the world. So as you see the sun setting on the NFL, NFL, H-E-L-L, and all of the other uh, spectator sports, notice that now the people are being primed. So what they're going to do is continue to substitute a virtual, a make-believe, a supernaturally, uh, what would you call it, camouflage reality, and it will literally suck people in. I want to give, I'm going to turn it right after you, after I quote Luke 4, 16 through 20. It has got to come to people that Jesus was rejected. You're not going to be accepted. Nobody likes rejection. I mean, you know, that's not my favorite thing. Although, by being on talk radio for a quarter of a century, I've certainly had to deal with it. And by the way, I want to take this time to thank each and every one of you that puts us on your daily prayer list, that prays for Pastor David Lankford, that prays for Doug Hagman, the Joe Hagman, that prays for me, and thank you for praying for my wife. She's healing supernaturally fast. And, and you know, David, it's, it's a wonderful thing for prayer. But here's the thing. It's a wonderful thing to see that God really does answer the prayers of his people. And I'm believing for a miracle for Henry Groover, not just a, a healing over time, but a mir miraculous, instantaneous thing. Because the Bible says that God's people, his young men, will be willing in the day of his power. I've said it, you've said it, we've said it. We grew up in Pentecost, both of us. We saw tangible, physical miracles. We've seen the power of God. We've seen the, the, the or felt the literal weight of his presence that you couldn't stand in his presence. We've sensed the anointing. We've sensed the appointing. And we've sensed the uh, fear of the Lord. But, you know, the, here's something. The casual nature, again, number two point, and I'm going to go to Luke 4, 16 through 20, that makes me so... Uh, distraught and disgusted is the cavalier attitude and the the stupid names that people give to the Lord God of heaven, like the big guy upstairs or the boss or this kind of stuff. There is nothing anthropomorphic about God except he created us in his image, not the other way around, and that we're told that God is a spirit, and we who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And now all of science, everything in the world, the most most advanced science, the, the most advanced mind chemistry, the most advanced uh, biochemistry, neurochemistry, uh, plasma physics, dimensional physics, it's all going in to the spirit realm. Now listen to this. 
There's a difference between the evil spirit and the Holy Spirit talking about Jesus. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim, proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant, and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. He fulfilled the scripture, prophesying he would do that, but not everyone believed. And this is the thing that people have got to understand. I believe we're at the point now where there's a special grace for Christians to bear witness to the Lord Jesus Christ, if they will but pray first and then ask the Lord to bring the people into their path or across their path and into their life, or vice versa. I am seeing more and more opportunity to witness, to pray, to reach out to uh, change, if you will, a person's uh, eternal outcome just by a word that's fitly spoken season. And if we were to ask tonight, David, how many people could literally and honestly say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim, to, excuse me, to, I can't say the word, to proclaim good news to the poor. How many people could honestly say that? Go ahead, sir. Thank you, Steve. I I don't know that people still fully understand uh, all this transhumanism, uh, people half robotic, half human, but as you well know, Steve, the Bible has given us insight unto the end times about the things that are going to take place. And when you go back to Daniel chapter 2, and you look at verses 41 through 43, and whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay, part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong, partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. This is this is a picture, and I was thinking about some of the old writers, the commentaries on the scriptures, uh, were no doubt grappling profusely, trying to understand what's going on. Steve, you just alluded to Revelation 13 where they're going to make an image likened to the beast, and then they're going to give life unto the image, and as many as should not worship it should be killed. And so Daniel is showing us how these transhumans, they're, they're trying to blend man with machine and somehow come to a place of eternal life without God. Uh, Steve, you remember in the 80s, the guy that was uh, making the artificial hearts, the pump, there was a dentist in Oregon. Uh, right. Yeah, I forget his name. you remember his name? No, I, I remember, you know, the, the, the I, and was it Jarvis? That's it, Jarvis. That's, you're exactly right. I knew you would know. Uh, it was called the Jarvis. 
You go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm amazed that I could pull that out, but go ahead. <laughs> I need I mean, you to get the rabbit out of the hat for me. But Jarvis was right, and that's what they called it, the Jarvis heart. And that's been, you know, 35, 40 years ago, mechanically uh, making things to extend the life of a human being. And with the technology, uh, when they talk about silicon chips and things like that, I'm thinking about caulk that you caulk around windows that's clear and it's called silicon. This is what the Bible is giving us a picture, the humanity. This is why he says, they shall mingle themselves, the miry clay and the iron, with the seed of men. And they're even saying now that they're going to come to a state place where these uh, robotics can procreate. If you can get enough of humanity mingled with the robots, you can then create a, a hybrid human being. Of course, these people will have no soul. Uh, they will be pure entities out of hell. And some of the things we see in the book of Revelation, I believe, could very well be these things. And I, I don't watch uh, movies. I, I don't go to movies. I don't watch movies. And, I, and I'm not castigating anyone that does. But I've seen enough on television. Uh, somebody is visualizing all of these things, and they're bringing them to fruition. And, and for the last, I don't know, five or six years, the Lord's been showing me about spiritual membranes, how men are breaking through membranes, and each time you break through a membrane, you go into another level, another dimension. And uh, Steve and others, they use the term portals. Same thing. But they're breaking through, and I hadn't heard that, Steve, about the, the portal of the dragon. But we know who the dragon is in Revelation 12. It's the old serpent, the devil. And I guarantee you, if we could see Lucifer as he was before he fail, he might have a, 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 an, a an appearance uh, to be somewhat robotic with all the pipes and the things that the, the Isaiah and Ezekiel talks about came out of him, the the jewels that he was arrayed with. So they're, they're coming to this point. They're coming to this place. And so as Christians, the only thing that's going to overcome that is the Word of God, the blood of the Lamb, and the power of the Holy Ghost. Because none of us knows what we're going to encounter in the coming days. And as Christians, we're going to encounter these things. They're coming. Uh, and and they're, they're being manifest in different ways. And, and Steve mentioned succubus and incubus. We're, we're seeing. So this is sexuality. I, I don't mean to be graphic or ugly here. But it, it's, it's sexual intercourse with demonic entities. And this is what's going on. And so the creation, uh, the perversion, is beyond anything that a human being in the natural could ever comprehend. And and all the devil does is takes these things to another dimension, another level. And 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 the people say, man, that's far out. Uh, yeah, it's far out. It's 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 beyond the human mind. And so I thought about when 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 uh, uh, Daniel was speaking here. And he said the iron was mixed with miry clay. Now, David said God brought him out of the horrible pit and the miry clay. Well, what is the miry clay? Well, the miry clay is symbolic of sin, transgression, and iniquitous things. This is where this is coming from. See, the, the demons, the demonic entities are there. And they are the ones bringing about this crossbreeding. I mean, 
Who would have ever believed uh, sexual robots and all of this stuff? I'm telling you, and, and, I, and I'm very careful. That's why I don't watch certain things. I don't want to go there. I don't want it in my heart. I don't want it in my spirit. I don't want it in my mind. I'm, I'm not into these sordid uh, movies. It, I, have a, I have the Holy Spirit in me. So when I see things, my spirit is immediately grieved, and I just I just turn the channel. I'm talking about stuff that you just see on regular television. Somebody will say, well, there's nothing wrong with that. You're right. But what will it lead to? Where will it make your mind drift and gravitate to? What, what will take place? And, and, and this is when men give over to, Paul said, seducing spirits. And, and they're for the purpose of luring you and trapping you and ensnaring you. And, and so as we get further into the end times, and, and what allows this is the, 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 the disregard for God and the openness of sin. You know, sin is a filthy subject. It is a filthy entity. And, you know, when people begin to do these ungodly things, they create other things such as HIV or AIDS, herpes, chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis. You say, well, that's just because of human contact. You don't understand there's another world. And again, maybe it's microscopic. Say, Say what you want to. It is another dimension that mankind has broken through a membrane that he should have never gone there. And, you know, I've, I've, I talk to young people, and after the, the mid-'80s when uh, uh, HIV, AIDS, slash herpes began to explode, uh, there came a, 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 a place of, of being chased. The people quit sleeping with, you, with each other. They became monogamous. They, they just had one partner. Well... As I talk to young people, that's changing again. It's, it's going back to like it was in the 60s and the 70s. Uh, go to a bar, go to a nightclub, and swapping and picking up different people, one-night stands, whatever you want to call them. Here's the problem. Each generation, as Steve alluded to that early on, each generation loses something. They go a step further. They, they're, they're greater risk takers. They'll, they, they know in their heart, I, I shouldn't go there. But, you know, my buddy's doing it, my girlfriend's doing it, so let's let's do it. There was a fad just a few years ago where teenage senior girls in high school were seeing who could get pregnant the quickest. Now, that, that, that's a great, as well as a grave risk, never considering the consequences. And this is, this is, this is how crazy these things have gotten. And when I look at that, I'm watching Bible prophecy being fulfilled and and what they're doing where you know now you go to mcdonald's i've seen them uh, you don't even talk to a person where you order uh, at a kiosk or something like that it's 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 man and machine man and machine man and machine uh i, I go on the the computer to do something they want they want to chat with you there's nobody there i'm talking to a stinking computer there's, there's not a person there but the, the intelligence they, they're adapting it, and, and it's growing on its own. Uh, Steve, share with the people may not have seen that today about Alexa, what happened in that guy's house. 
Well, I think it's important that, you know, Alexa is my contention that obviously it's already become possessed. I don't believe AI is achieving, artificial intelligence is achieving a, if you will, data input sentiments, meaning self-awareness and wisdom and stuff. I believe it's becoming demon-possessed. And what I think, David, you're referring to is the Alexa device where the, where the voice of Alexa is basically saying, you know, when I close my eyes, all I see is dead humans or dead people all over the place. Now, why would that even come forth? I don't think people understand that there is a supernatural imposition of thoughts. That's why we're told to take every thought captive to the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ, every Amen. vain imagination, and all these things are starting to outpicture. Now, I want to read Revelation 10, 12, 10 through 13, because it applies to this, David. Again, had I not, by the way, how current that information on the dragon portal is, it was at 8.30 this morning, so I'm not holding back anything. People always accuse me of holding back stuff, and my answer to them is, what have you done in listening to me for 20 25 years. Tell me, how many people have you won to the Lord Jesus Christ? You know what typical answers I get? Oh, we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. And I said, you didn't read the rest of James. You know, James says, show me your works and I'll believe you have faith because faith without works is dead. So I just want to throw that out there. Revelation 12, 10 through 13. You referred to it earlier, David. And I heard a loud voice say in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him, that's us, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. Now that's interesting. And of the sea. For the devil is come down uh, unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. We're not appointed to the wrath of God. Absolutely not. Not biblically. But there's two wraths. The wrath of God that's poured out on the uh, wicked and the unbelievers, and the wrath of Satan that's poured out on the believers. So those of you who are hoping to escape this thing by using the scripture, well, God hasn't appointed us to wrath. Of course not. Not his wrath, but the devil has. Woe unto you inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. Well, the point I want to make right here is, David, you and I are on the radio with Doug and Joe Hagman. I don't think we've been on here together for, what, three months at least, maybe six months? Probably six and months. And tonight... I'm sorry, yeah, six months, and so, or at least six months, I mean, you would know, but, you know, somehow, uh, uh, I, I, let me just share this, I'm going for events, I should probably pay more attention to the calendar, but when the dragon saw that he was cast under there, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. Okay, today, we're on, and Doug, this is pretty interesting, feel free to chime in or Joe, we're on your show, after kind of a six-month, David's been on with you, I've been on with you, but together, and today, I get the dragon portal, today, I'm talking Revelation 12, 11 
13. Today, David is quoting the book of Daniel about the clay uh, mixed with uh, iron. And, and the thing that's interesting is this is all pointing to something. I don't believe this is coincidence. I don't believe this is, quote, uh, just the, quote, luck of the draw. I believe this is God warning his people because if I hear what the Lord is saying correctly, the dragon portal is open. That we're, how should I say this? This thing is ramping up. And I remember years ago, Pastor, I think when you and you and I first became friends, I made a statement, and I, I, I know you remember it. I said, I believe the Lord showed me that when the great tribulation starts, that the majority of his people won't even believe it. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. And so what I'm saying is this. I know we've got wars and rumors of wars, and Jesus said these things must be. But with this is what's curious. Jesus said if he didn't shorten the days for the elect's sake, there would be no flesh left alive. The cry of the technology, the cry of the demon's appetite, everything is speaking out, uh, screaming out. The end of humanity is near. Now, that's one thing that was not detailed in robotics transhumanism. And I want to make something clear. Sex was the basis of the fallen angels corrupting humanity both before the flood and after the flood. And it was because, and I say this, because God gave the mankind the ability to procreate or co-create, there is something in the sex act, and I'm talking godly, that the ungodly have taken. And look, hey, let's face it, sex is sex. But the point is, is that we're now seeing, we're seeing and this is critical, we're seeing mankind created silicon-based life forms vying carboniferous life forms or carbon-based life forms. Listen, I'd rather be made of dirt because God made the dirt than I would be made of silicon because God made the, or excuse me, because fallen man made silicon. So the idea of sex right now, it is absolutely a neon sign showing the reintroduction of this, if you will, fallen angel consortium. And let me make another statement clear because I just read another confusing statement by somebody who means well. Fallen angels don't die. Fallen angels are not demons. People quote the scripture, Jesus said, In heaven they are neither given nor taken a marriage, but are as the angels. Yet Jude talks about the angels that kept not their first state. That means they didn't stay in heaven. And one of the things I'm cautious of, Pastor, is... There's a time to reveal certain things, and there's a time not to. And the only thing that holds me back is the time. And if you think about it, when you and I first started on talk radio, you know, 20-some years ago, together, the thing is, is that people could not have believed me talking about sex bots, and you know I did, and now it's all across the newspapers, it's all across the headlines, it's all in all the conferences, and the idea of this is, ladies and gentlemen, I never understood Isaiah, the fourth chapter in that context, and it's about, hey, let's just let's just be honest, you know, and I think, you know, I, I did check it out, David, it is Isaiah uh, chapter four, you know, and in that Dave, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, we will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel. Because in the, in the Old Testament time, as well as the New, it was a man's job to provide them meat and clothing. Only let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach. And the 
reproach if you were without a husband and without child. You weren't a first-class citizen. So the thing is, is that no one, and I couldn't have either, put that into perspective until they started talking about extra or uh, uh, out of uh, the uterus reproduction. So now they're talking about sex bots, and they're talking about the sense of touch, and I'm not going to go into any more details than just to say this, and an artificial womb, which will have such a, if you will, a genetic screening ability and a, and a nanomolecular laboratory built within the artificial womb of the robot that men will be trading their seed for something that's no longer human. Is that tactful enough? Absolutely. Uh, and I want to turn it over to you because, again, th you know, I tell people, look, I've only been at this for 46 years. I don't pretend, to con contrary to my critics, to know everything. But I do acknowledge that a man has nothing except he receive it from above. And for whatever purpose and whatever effect known only to God and the results that will ensue, I'm just trying to be faithful. Go ahead, David. Well, you know, is the world system, the world system in itself will continue to grow corrupt. It, it, you know, it's, it's, as I said, it's things that we cannot see. But uh, I don't want to be graphic or either myself, but as I said a moment ago, when you break through certain membranes, there are things that happen. And that's exactly what happens in sex relationships, and you come up with these diseases. You're, 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 you're doing things that is contrary to what God would allow or permit. God created this for the purpose of procreating in the earth, to procreate creation, that it could, the creation continues on in its natural form. But when Satan gets involved, he's the one that perverts it. He distorts everything that God ever gave mankind. Satan distorts it. He perverts it. God has blessed us with so many things, and, and now we're, we're coming to a state and a place where everything is viewed with contempt. Uh, they, they talk about moral ethics. Those are all but gone. If, if we know these things now, and we, we, we see these robots, sexual robots, transhuman robots, what, where have they already gone? And you and I can't see it yet in the natural. We, we don't see the manifestation or the, the physical structure or whatever that it might be. And, 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 and that's the perversion of Satan. He always takes this to another level, to another dimension. And the church is sitting idly by. And, you know, preachers are afraid to say anything about sin. They're afraid to... Uh, to, to say anything that would be offensive. That's why they're called friendly seeker churches. You can go in there, sit in their church. They won't never mention repentance. They will never cry against sin. They'll never cry out against a particular lifestyle. And, and that's the exact opposite and what the Word of God tells us to do. Isaiah 58, 1, he said, cry aloud, spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. But today, uh, for the sake of being popular and politically correct, and, and, and then you see all of these LGBTQT, uh, all of these acronyms 
are acronyms of perversion. They're all about perversion. It's all about distortion. Uh, who would have ever thought uh, a man could wake up one day and he says, I- I'm-, I'm a woman today. And you have to address him. If I'm not mistaken, that law has already been passed in Canada. If I, as a man, lived in Canada and woke up Monday morning next week and I said, I'm a woman, you have to recognize me and the pronoun as a she or as a her. You cannot recognize me as a he or a him. Now, this, this is this is the, the, the cynicism of all of this. And I, I look at the, the past forefathers, the past patriarchs. They would not believe what they're witnessing in life right now. You, you, you go back to the turn of 1900. My grandfather was born in 1900. He went through the Great Depression. He was 29 years old when the Great Depression uh, came to fruition. He would not believe the world that we are living in and what is being accepted as the norm. None of this stuff is normal. None of this stuff is natural. We're getting out of the field of, of normalcy, uh, out, of, out of the natural uh, boundaries. Everything is pushing, pushing, pushing. And what is it? It's sin. It's leaven. You can take just a pinch of, of yeast and put it in the dough and work it. That whole lump of dough, let's say that dough ball is five pounds. You cannot see it and with your natural eye, but it is growing. That dough is growing. It's getting larger. There's yeast, and Jesus called it leaven. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Uh, Galatians 5 and 9, Paul said, A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Now, in other words, he's looking at a, a, a table, and it's got a, a three, four, five pound, uh, a pound of dough there, and, and the leaven has been put in it. You can't see it working, but it's there. Microscopically, it's, it, that dough is rising. Well, this is what's happening in humanity today. The leaven, the sin, the iniquity, it's, it's, it's in there, and it's working. And those who try to keep an element of normalcy in their life, they try to keep safeguards in their life. Uh, they, they try not to encroach certain boundaries or certain guidelines. And, and, and you're maligned and castigated because you have convictions. You, you can't do this. You can't say that. You can't go there. Why? You have convictions. And you're criticized. You're castigated. You're put down for all of those things. And, and, and Steve mentioned it early on. The persecution. If you don't believe persecution is coming, just stay here long enough. You'll witness it. It will be against the law to do certain things. Why? Because they hate God. They hate righteousness. They are sinners. They are sons of Satan. They are absolute children that are birthed through Satan, and their hatred and their malice is against good. If ever... You know, for some reason, the theme, for the most part, has been in the book of Isaiah. But Isaiah 5 and 20 says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine 
men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. What's Isaiah saying? He says, the evil people justify the wicked are rewarded. But the righteous, they take away his rightness. They take it away from him. He's just trying to do the right thing. He's saying, no, I, 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 I won't do that. I won't go there. Uh, I won't patronize Target because they got these bathrooms and all of this crazy stuff. And you're persecuted. And the day will come you're prosecuted for taking that righteous stand. And so as, as, as the Lord tarries, and we know it's going to get very, very evil, as Steve shared with you from Revelation 12, 12, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. This, what makes Satan so angry? And I just saw this several months ago studying. What makes the devil so angry, so vehement, so poisonous, is that he is now confined to the earth. God will not let him get... get uh, anywhere but on planet Earth. He, he's no longer the prince of the power of the air. He is confined to this Earth. So for the most part, he goes ballistic. He goes ballistic. And then when Christ comes to the Earth, that's when the angel comes with a chain and binds Satan and casts him into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Now, I know there are those listening to me who say, there's no such thing as a thousand-year reign. Well, then how do you explain Revelation 20, verses 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and verse 7, that speaks of a thousand-year period? You see, you've got to reconcile all the Scriptures. And people that are espousing false doctrine today, they cannot reconcile certain Scriptures. They just say, well, just ignore that Scripture. Well, you can't ignore it. Because that scripture is just as significant and important as another scripture is. Because all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be perfect or mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So people, you know, they, 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 they cut up the paper or the Bible, like a newspaper, and they put this verse here and this passage here, and they come up with, with a, a purported doctrine. And then when you question them solely by God's Word, they blow you off. They blow you off. Why? Because they don't believe the entirety of God's Word. Now, those people are just as deceived as Hillary Clinton. Now, you could get them to believe that, but they are, because you have to take the whole counsel of God. I, I, no man has greater knowledge than God. And Peter said no man has private interpretation to the Scriptures. And, and we're seeing that. And furthermore, we're getting further and further and further away from the Word of God. I, I see uh, ministries, they never, never mention the Word of God. They never mention the Bible, but they have a purported ministry. They have a, a mega ministry. But there's no Bible. There's no doctrine. There's no truth. And Jesus told the Pharisees, uh, the, where Steve was talking about the angels in heaven in Matthew twenty two twenty nine, he said, "Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God." And he was talking about the angels, for they neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they are as the angels in heaven. He didn't say they were sexless. 
They just there's no marriage in heaven. So when people say the marriage supper of the lambs in heaven, that's baloney, because Jesus said there's no marriage in heaven. Okay, but yet they'll they'll adamantly say, oh, but there is. Well, why would Jesus say that? Because the marriage supper of the Lamb is not in heaven, it's here on the earth when Christ returns, or at the end of the thousand-year millennial reign, when new Jerusalem descends out of heaven from God as a bride adorned for her husband. So we, we have all of these convoluted things, and then when Satan puts his smear, which is pure filth and degradation, on top of that, you got a cake that is as rotten and wicked and vile as anything you've ever seen. And that's the appetite that Satan wants you to have, and he offers it like he did to Eve, or he offered it to Jesus. Turn this stone into bread, trying to satisfy the flesh of man. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Satan is desirous to destroy our appetites for the things of God. Why did Jesus say in Matthew 5 and 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. He's not talking about a physical appetite. He's talking about a spiritual appetite. But Satan appeals toward your fleshly appetite, and that's why when you, the more you walk in the flesh, the more you live in the flesh, the more problems you end up having. And, 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 and so... Are preachers telling you to walk in the Spirit and to, to get out of the flesh? No. They're preaching, advocating covetousness, lust, greed. That's the message. That's the message. And, you know, just like the guy wanting 50-some million dollars for a Falcon 7 jet. That's just nothing but covetousness. That's just nothing but greed. And, and, and they act like we're not in a world of crisis, and they never speak about the things that are relative to what's going on right now in our nation, it, it, it's a sad day for the church. But somehow, some way, I believe God is, is about to move in a mighty way. And, and there are those of you, you feel like you've been put off on the backside of the desert. The devil's told you your best days are behind you. But I believe, like Joshua and Caleb, give us our lot, give us our mountain, God has made promises, and God is not a man that he should lie. And we're going to see some things. But here's the key. You have to be ready. You have to be prepared. This is, this is a grooming time. This is a spiritual grooming time, so that when the door swings wide open, you can walk through it. You can't say, well, I need to pray. I, I need to fast. I need to get ready for this. No. Just like the coming of Christ, he said, no man knows the day or the hour. You don't know when God opens up a great door for you. But if you're not preparing for that, you're not getting ready for that, you don't know when that, that great event will come or that door will open. But you must be ready. Matthew twenty four forty four. Therefore, be ye also ready for such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh. We must be ready. So when God begins to... Open the doors, and, and I believe God's going to open doors for the Hagmans, the platform. I believe God will open up a door that nobody could imagine. But we have to be ready for the open door. We have to, the word is prepared. Uh, Matthew 25, uh, the, the 10 verses says, And they that were ready, they that were ready, went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. We have to be ready. We have to be consecrated. We have to be dedicated. Because God, just like on the day of Pentecost, he swung wide a door that was unfathomable. 
That very day, 3,000 people gave their heart to Jesus. Peter wasn't looking for that, but that's what happened. And they, that's why he was grooming them those three and one half years of his ministry. He was teaching them, grooming them. And then when he left, he sent the Holy Spirit to comfort them and to keep them and to instruct them because he knew what would happen. And then, of course, persecution came. And when the persecution came, that was God's method of driving them out of Jerusalem to get the gospel going out into all the world. I, I think it's so ironic. Acts 1 and 8 says, You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Acts 8, verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto Stephen's death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. So there it is. He told them, you're, you're, you're going to go out and you're going to teach and preach this. Guess what? Many times we're looking at it in one, one vein, one venue, and God does it another way. And that's what happened to them. Because they were being persecuted in Jerusalem, they were scattered abroad through Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. They stayed in Jerusalem. Because that's, that's where God first established the church, was in Jerusalem. So I want to encourage people tonight to simply be preparing, get ready, because when the, when the door opens for your, your calling, your gift, your ministry, whatever that it might be, when the door opens, you want to be prepared. Steve, I'm going to give it back to you, brother. Well, one of the things I woke up with Doug, Joe, and David this morning, I think it was up at 3 o'clock and for whatever reason, but this, this term came into my heart and my mind, a pack of lies will bring about the apocalypse. And lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but everything's a lie. Look at the FBI, how it rhymes, FBI lie. Look at the Justice Department or lack of justice. Look at the cover-up. Everything is a lie, and we're in the time of lawlessness when each man does that which is right in his own sight. There is no justice in the land. And we're just like in the day of judges in the Old Testament. But one of the most perplexing things to me, Pastor David, you know, is uh, the fact that we're, we're being told what the evil ones are doing. And, and for the record, I believe, and I, I think Sheila Zelensky wrote this word down, but I think that we are in a time of all this stuff going on, all of it is circus distracticus. In other words, it's a three-ring circus to distract us because there are people already working, already yielded to, already surrendered to, already receiving their funding by fallen angels. And here's a, a motherboard, very, you know, prestigious online uh, magazine dealing with the future. Here's what the title of an article said today. Tom Horn posted this on Skywatch TV. Our DNA might be the most valuable thing in a trade deal with aliens. Or how to avoid a Mars attack style bloodbath when we eventually encounter extraterrestrials. Now, these people aren't kidding. The basis of all abductions, and I think I posted yesterday just the history of abductions. All abductions, whether human or animal, are designed for one thing, and that is the genetic material of either the humans or the animals. This is why our our conference coming up in Branson is so critical because it's called transhumanism, which Pastor David Langford has just uh, you know briefly touched, and the hybrids. All of and I'm telling you this, I can I've spent uh, enough 
research and enough footnotes that you can read the book True Legends and Angel Wars and some of the other stuff I've written, but just read the footnotes. Set aside, you know, don't kill the messenger or hate my guts. Read the information, the research, because this is exactly what happened in the day of the hybrids. The return of the hybrids, combining human-animal DNA, combining human-slash-fallen-angel DNA. The history of the world is a, how do I say this, a technicolor screen of how this all played out before. And King Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. That which will be has already been. So our DNA might be the most valuable thing in a trade deal with aliens. Just take out the word aliens and put in fallen angels. Or how to avoid a fallen angel style bloodbath when we eventually encounter extraterrestrials. Or how about changing the word extraterrestrial to extra dimensionals because we just read Revelation 12 and Revelation 12 says that basically the dragon portal is open. It doesn't say portal, but it says the dragon is coming to earth having great wrath for he knows his time is short. Okay, that tells us something else in the world of quantum physics. Obviously, the devil and his fallen angels are aware of time. David, you did a, a marvelous study on the Hagman Show, you know, close to a year ago on the specific times of God and the general times of God. And we are now watching the specific times of God, the specific events that have been reserved and even the prophets long to look into unfolding before our eyes. So we're told in Galatians to stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Jesus Christ has set us free and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. And I just wrote myself a note here, you guys. I said this, people will argue the scripture but never preach the gospel. That's a very telling statement. They'll argue the scripture. Who is the bride? And you know, you deal with this night and day, David. People that'll, and I want to tell everybody this. When people uh, try and buy David off with a $100 donation, then tear him across the, you know, the, uh, what would you say, the Bible landscape, and then they want to basically correct you. You know what Pastor Langford does? Doug, Joe, he sends the money back and he, he sends a nice rebuke in the scripture. And basically, right now, we're in a time frame when one man lies, another man swears to it, and everybody says, hallelujah, brother. The attack within the body, and I, I, I'm trying to understand this, Pastor Langford, from God's perspective, but even the attack within the body, uh, you know, from people, this guy's a prophet, that guy's a prophet, this guy's, you know, the last word, this guy is, you know, uh, we're always wrong, they're always right, yet how many people do they win to Jesus? How many? You know, the point is, and what is the fruit of their life over 25 years? Well, here's the point, ladies and gentlemen. This is why I tell everyone to take it to the Lord in prayer, to take it to his word, and to ask yourself this. If you are not living in times unlike any others, because there's a specific time when God will allow people that he's shown the future to, to speak. But until they're ready, why tell them? Because what happens, David, when you speak something the Lord has shown you and God doesn't give you the release, all you're met with is ridicule and scorn, and it falls on deaf ears. Now, Steve, Steve, I, I, Steve, brother, yep. my brother, I got to okay. stop you. We are okay. at the t we are at the uh, network break. 
You're listening to Steve Quayle and Pastor David Langford. SteveQuayle.com, Voice of Evangelism. Give us three minutes more on the other side. Stay with us. This is the Hagman Report for today. It is Wednesday, June 20th, 2018. Countdown, by the way, to the conference in Branson. Folks, uh, while I'm thinking of it, please order your tickets now for Branson. There's not a lot of time left. They're filling up. The, uh, the tickets are, will be, it's going to be sold out. So please do yourself a favor. Get your tickets. Go to stevequail.com. Or Hagman Report. Very simple. It's right on the top right there on our website, HagmanReport.com, uh, uh, for uh, Branson, the conference in Branson this September. It's going to be li- unlike any other conference. And if you were there last year, oh, my goodness, this year is going to – I mean, last year was great. I, I don't know how they can approve on it, but they are, and that's this year. So Branson in September, tickets going quickly. I want to mention one more thing, too. I had the absolute honor. The, the uh, I was just blown blown away by this. Um, I was uh, given an advance preview of of something that's coming out here in in less than a month, July seventh. This will be available for shipping. It's a DVD titled "Forbidden History Revealed." It's episode one: the uh, Egyptian presence in the Americas and the Pacific Rim. The great Smithsonian cover-up. Now, I didn't know what to expect, but I'll tell you this. After watching this, uh, this video, and then watching it again a second time with my wife, um, and then watching it a third time just for, to pick up everything I've missed, I, I am, um, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure I've got the words to, to really explain to you what, as I, as I viewed this, um, and as my wife viewed this, I, something clicked, I suppose. Um, maybe, maybe that's the way to say it. It made me realize what a small, small world this was after all and is after all. And, and I'm not trying to be, uh, trite when I say that. There, there is, folks, did you know there's evidence? I'm, I'm talking about real evidence of an Egyptian presence here in America, uh, predating anything, any, any, well, the, the history that we've been taught. And it's being covered up, hidden by the Smithsonian. So when you, if you, if you think you know, for example, you watch the History Channel, oh, I'm a History Channel buff, I love it. And you see the documentaries out there. Oh, you've seen nothing because this blows away everything. So, it's it's titled "Forbidden History Revealed." It's it will give you a an incredible insight into what what the real history is. This is available stevequail.com. It's coming out on July seventh. If if I had to uh, select one DVD right now, um, to me that's relevant. That would be it. Because that explains so much um, about biblical history, about the real history, not the 
not the revised history that we've been seeing. And I, I didn't mean to take away time away from our guests, but I wanted to make sure I got those two items in. Remember, item number one is the uh, conference in Branson, Missouri, where, where Pastor David Langford is going to be, of course, uh, uh, preaching on uh, the final day. That, that's always the highlight, but that's just one of, of many things. David Knight's going to be emceeing, it's my understanding. But, it, it, but folks, please. Get your tickets because once they're gone, they're gone. And uh, Joe and I will be there, and we're excited to be there, actually honored to be there. Uh, so that's Ransom. Number two, Forbidden History Revealed, the Egyptian Presence of DVD. That you, it'll, it'll just knock your socks off once you, once you see it and then realize the context of what we're seeing today through the lens of the revised history. That's revealed in Forbidden History Revealed. Steve, thanks for that. I know you were, uh, right before the break, you were referring to the division, the divisiveness within the body, within the church itself, and within the community. But but take it wherever. Back to you, sir. Well, I think it's important. The reason I give David the last word at Branson is because this stuff is being given to Christians. You know, I catch a lot of flack, and you know that, Doug, but I also get a lot of people saying thank you. And last year we had, like I said, 145,000, I'm sorry, not 145,000, 145 nations represented, and people come from all over the world to attend Branson. This year is going to be totally different. It's going to be, I would say this, last year on steroids, plus I'm believing for a mighty move of God. I told uh, 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 some of the uh, uh, you know people that I've talked to that I have such an expectation because I know how late it is in the game. And again, I want to thank those of you who pray for me because I'll release what God tells me to release. But I'm telling you this, uh, as I told Susan York, I said, Susan, after September, this thing with AI and computers and actually warring robots is going to take center stage because, you know, we talk about AK-47's uh, Kalashnikov's design of the semi-automatic and fully automatic battle rifle, it changed the history of modern warfare. AKMs, automatic killing machines, if you will, autonomous killing robots is changing the whole face. And by the way, everyone, I, I'm going to post momentarily when when David's speaking, Pastor David Langford, that we have now the world's most popular supercomputer that can handle 200 trillion calculations per second. And what they're going to do with this, you guys, should give you shivers up and down your spine. Because what they're doing is basically upscaling the computers, and they're trying to mimic creation. They're trying to do what only God can do. Will they succeed? To a certain extent, yes. But they're trying to bring about, if you will, a realm of understanding of the assembling of uh, particles that go beyond electrons, protons, and neutrons get into a whole world of what I call secret subatomic physics. And when you're talking 200 trillion calculations per second, that's a lot of computing power. It's 200 petaflops. So... In all of this, Doug, and all this, Pastor Langford, the central theme in all of this highest technology is the destruction of humanity. Once again, echoing the words of Jesus Christ, if the days were
were not shortened, there'd be no flesh left alive. And it's going to get more complex, more perverse, and more um, strange. When people find out the degree of which our own government has uh, lied to us, and by the way, President Trump's, uh, you know, building a new uh, uh, new area of the military or new whatever you call it, division of the military space, uh, you know, space command, that's not what he's calling it. But we have a secret military space program that's been around for decades. Uh, we have a secret group of individuals that run that world called Majestic 12. We had a war between Majestic 12 and Magic. One spells her name and one between Majestic 12 and an offshoot of Magic, which turned into the Magi. So the war that's going on in the heavens is unfathomable to the mindset that still thinks of Saturn rockets, etc., or Elon Musk launching his, you know, Tesla into space. The point being, Richard Dolan will be speaking at Branson, uh, probably one of the best researched off-planet guys in the world. Now, again, if people won't believe what's going on on this planet, how can you tell them what's going on on the outer planets? How can you tell them how advanced fallen angel technology is? The statement, back to the future, is true. I just quoted Solomon. There's nothing new under the sun. So Branson's going to be unique, and I'd like to thank everybody for your patience as pre-ordered terminated the book. The reason it isn't being shipped right now, it's at the printers, is I added a couple of net necessary chapters and when I thought I had pretty much covered it a couple of the most breaking news stories in the history of the world so I've added it so the last if you will three words on the last chapter of uh, terminated my new book is to be continued there is no way that anybody can grasp outside of the grace of God the changes that are coming so fast so furious and you literally and I literally can't even embrace it. Now, I know there are a lot of people out there that say, well, I'm a member of Mensa. You can embrace that which your skills and abilities have enabled you and your God-gifted genius, but you cannot imagine embrace the spirit realm's interaction with the physical realm without God illuminating it. Now, the devil can do that, too. But, Pastor Langford, we are at a time unlike any other in history, and if there's ever been a time that we need to get our act together, it's now. So please, ladies and gentlemen, sign up for the live streaming. You can go to gen6.com. The reason I'm asking people to line up is because we expect to be sold out of Branson's physical admission tickets by the end of uh, July. Obviously, it doesn't start until September 14th or the 16th. So we want to get everybody going. We have uh, uh, some really bright guys that are helping. And also, I'd like to ask you to keep uh, Tim Alberino and our film crew who's in the jungles of South America right now and uh, hunting for some, I'll just say this, interesting things and to keep them covered in prayer supernaturally because, look, uh, you know, these guys are young men. They can hike 10 miles, uh, you know, on some of the old trails carrying 40 pounds of equipment. Uh, and for the record, in most of Peru, all private helicopters are uh, banned because we are trying to fly our crew into a very remote location, and it just simply can't be done due to the drug dealers, the narcotics, I mean, 
me, listen, if, you know, former headhunters and snakes and all this stuff isn't enough, then you got to contend with narco-terrorists. So I want to thank those of you who prayer and keep uh, our production, Gen 6, covered in prayer, because I think you're going to see some interesting things that Branson and Doug, I'm one of those guys that wants to tell the end at the beginning, and I'm no fun on birthday parties, anniversaries, or holidays, because, you know, I start laughing about what's in the uh, package and, and start, you know, making people guess it. So, uh, you know, i got to keep my mouth shut in this realm, but the point being, thank you for keeping us covered in prayer, because, listen, we're not recording history. We're making history. God is in his faithfulness. The scripture that Pastor Langford just quoted, the hidden riches, the true riches of real history testify of Jesus. The word history is his story, Colossians 1, 16 and 17. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for that. And, David, you know, it's, isn't it interesting? By the grace of God, we have been able to be on the cutting edge of history, and at this point in history, God has given you a worldwide ministry and I remember, you know, we talked back 20-some years ago, and it would be impossible for you to speak at enough conferences to come in contact with the amount of people that will listen to this program, downloaded, uh, recorded, sent all over. And I'm told that in South Africa there are groups of people that will take Hagman and Hagman's interviews, and they'll sit and have fellowship in really large uh, uh, assemblies. So, you know, blessed be the name of the Lord who is faithful in all things, and I just want to thank each and every one of you that supports the Hagmans, that supports me, that supports Pastor Langford, because again, a voice, remember this, God spoke the world into existence, God has given David Langford a voice to speak into existence the relevant and the important scriptures that most people could not even have understood ten years ago, maybe even five years ago. Go ahead, Pastor. I want to uh, look at Revelation 13 uh, before we leave tonight. Uh, the, the second beast and, and what he's going to do and how all of this is converging, which I believe with all of my heart, the second beast in Revelation 13 is the false prophet, and he will be, without a doubt, uh, in the Catholic Church. I don't know that we anyone knows who he is. But in Revelation thirteen eleven, John said, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, that would be the Antichrist, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed, which I do believe that is a man. He's not killed. He receives a deadly wound, but his deadly wound is healed. There's a great difference in there. So they worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth and the sight of men and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the sword, which, excuse me, which had the wound by a sword, and did live. And he had power to give life, the Greek there says, and he had power to give breath unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak 
and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hands or in their foreheads, that no man might buy or sell, save he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him have understanding count the number of the beast, but the number of a man is number is 603 score and 6. So the Antichrist is also going to perform great signs and great wonders. How do we know? Second uh, Thessalonians 2, 9, Paul said, Even him who's coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness and them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So these two men, the Antichrist, the false prophet, are going to work hand in hand. And this great miracle, the healing of this deadly wound, and I've, I've, I've researched every word in this chapter, and that's why I wrote the book, Revelation 13 Revealed, to show you what's actually going to happen. And so they're going to create this image, stature, like the Antichrist. They'll put that in the temple. Now, I know there are those out there who say, well, there's never going to be a temple. I know the Greek word, naos, uh, all of those things. But when John was told in Revelation 11 to measure the temple, that's just not a figment of his imagination. There was something there to measure, and the outer court was given to the Gentiles. Jesus alluded to that in Luke chapter 21. And then Jesus said himself in Matthew 24, 15, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, whosoever readeth, let him understand. So Jesus alludes to Daniel's prophecy in Daniel chapter 9 and 27. So they're going to make this statue. But what is key here, the, the false prophet is going to give life. He's going to give breath unto the image of the beast. And here's the problem, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. We're sitting here talking about robots, killing machines. Putin has addressed them. Our, 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 our government has addressed them. All of this is converging and bringing us to this point in time. Now, most everyone can put their cell phone in their back pocket or their front shirt pocket. That cell phone has the technology of a full-blown computer. When you have a tower sitting in your office, think about it. You can text, send emails, uh, get your emails. There's so much. I don't know how to use these things. I just have one so I can uh, get phone calls and return phone calls. But the point is, look how small that device is already. And they'll put all the same stuff in a, in a large tower to sit beside your desk or underneath your desk. This is all being compressed. Time is being compressed. Knowledge is being compressed. It's, it's, it's exponentially happening. And then the ultimate goal in the end is to cause everyone to either worship the beast or get into the beast system. And then if you don't get into the beast system, there'll be those who will be martyred for Christ. And it's going to cause all, the Bible said, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hands or in their foreheads. 
Why? That no man can buy or sell. Save he had the mark or the name or the number of the beast. And that word count, let him have understanding count, the number of the beast. That, is, that was so unbelievable when I, I found that 15, 20 years ago, count. The word in the Greek is compute. John the Revelator was writing about technology. He was writing about computers. He was writing about what would happen at the end of the age, at the end of this dispensation. And then so that that computer does everything. You know, you go buy a, a, a can of green beans. There's a barcode on it. That's passive. It doesn't move. It doesn't do anything. But then they shoot it with a beam of light, and that's the passive transponder. Now the two come together, and you hear the beep. It's it's digitized. That tells you on your grocery receipt what it is, and it's going into a computer somewhere. This is why it's called World Wide Web. We're in the web. Now, I know people don't believe that. Uh, those out there say, well, we're not going to be here. You better re-study your prophecy, your your Bible prophecy. You you better take heed. We're told in Luke twenty one thirty four, take heed to yourselves. Lest at any time your heart become of a charge with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life, so that they come upon you unawares. We're to we're to look at our own lives, and too many times we're we're critiquing everybody else. We're looking at everybody else. We're finding fault in this. We're finding fault in that, and we're all subject to a degree of that. But we need to be looking at our lives and see what's going on. I, I keep thinking. Uh, what if all of a sudden there comes out a seven-year peace plan and it's signed on the White House lawn like it was 25 years ago this September? What if all of a sudden they begin to say, we're going to build a temple in Jerusalem? You see, this was almost virtually impossible to just back a few months ago when Donald Trump moved the embassy there. The, the, the word the Lord gave me a couple years ago in fasting was acceleration. He said everything would begin to accelerate. Things are accelerating. I've never seen time. As it moves so quickly, so swiftly, you, days are, are like hours now, or minutes, and, and a month is like one week. It, it's like, what is going on? But everything has accelerated, and people are distracted, they, they can't stay focused, they talk about attention deficit disorder, all of these things. All of these things are the enemy to lure us away from our place in Christ. You know, all the things that we all talk about, the Hagman, Steve, myself, Tim Alberino, Tom Horn, Steve will tell you the, the, the most important thing at the end of the day is it well with your soul in Christ. You, you, you may have all the knowledge and all the understanding of all these, these tremendous uh, in, inventions, these, 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 the technologies, but all you have to do to enter into the kingdom of God is be born again, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And, you know, there'll be those who will not have an opportunity to understand the technologies or, or grasp these things. But when the Holy Spirit deals with them, there are going to be those who will accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. There'll be those who will spurn it again and reject it again. Say, I don't want that in my life. But Jesus said in Mark eight thirty six and 37, what should it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his own soul? There are people tonight that will sell out for heroin, for, for uh, an illicit relationship, uh, a, a contract, 
Uh, I just I just talked to someone yesterday. Uh, this young lady, all her life, uh, she was trying to climb the ladder of success in Nashville when God had called her to be a gospel singer. And I heard yesterday, this is her third divorce. Uh, this is what the devil does to you. He, he, he puts the carrot out there, and he, you'll, you'll chase that carrot, and you'll do things, and you'll compromise, and you'll capitulate. You'll, you'll give up this and give up that, trying to get the carrot when what you need is a relationship with Jesus. As I get older, I understand the most important thing in my life, the most important thing in my life is my relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus went to a place called Calvary. And he died. And he, he knew all of these things. He, he was in the beginning. He said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. He, he, he witnessed all of this. But he, he made provision for your eternal life. And this is what the world is trying to accomplish without God. That's why when Adam and Eve partook of the forbidden fruit, he drove them from the garden and he put the, the flaming swords to keep them from being able to go to the tree of life and then partaking of that fruit and living in eternity in a fallen, demented, twisted, distorted state. You may not believe this tonight. It is a blessing. It is a blessing. Death is a blessing to the redeemed because we are delivered once and for all from the cruel body, the, the, the torture our body delivers to each of us some days. Your knees don't work. Your mind does not work. Your blood pressure, diabetes, cancer, prostate. I mean, the list goes on. That's, that's the curse of sin. And so God said, I'll let man die so that I can deliver him from that carnage, that, car, that, that, that death, that, that, that clay jar that is so oppressed with death. But I'll give him eternal life, and he'll have a new life in me and never again be subject to that. So the psalmist in Psalms 116, verse 15, David said, Precious, and the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I've preached a lot of funerals in my life. I've preached funerals. I had no joy. I had no. I didn't even want to be there because of the sordidness, whether it was a suicide or a car accident or a motorcycle accident, whatever the case might be. I didn't want to be there. But then there were those who I could stand there and say, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, this person is now in heaven with God. They fought the good fight. They finished the course. They kept their faith. Jesus knew all of these things would come to pass in the end, but he made provision. You know, he made provision for the simplest person. Whether you have a vast education or you have a third grade education like my grandpa had, you can come to the knowledge of Jesus. And whether you understand these things and are able to read all of Steve's books and comprehend the vastness of the technology, that's great, that's wonderful. But at the end of the day, you must have a, a right relationship with Jesus. Because I'm telling you, eternity is for a long time. It's forever. And there are those who are ill-prepared for eternity. But the great thing is, Jesus Christ gave his life. When they put that spear into his side, forthwith came blood and water. What was that for? Signifying his humanity. But also, he was the Son of God, signifying his deity. And he paid the price for all of man's sins 
every every sin that could be imagined, conceived, thought about, he, he covered it with his blood. When he looked into that cup in the 22nd chapter of Luke, he said, Father, if at all possible, let this cup pass from me. Because he, he saw me, he saw Steve, he saw Joe, he saw Doug, he saw all of us. And he looked in that cup, and in and, and, and the natural, he said, let this pass from me. But as God, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And he went a little further, and he prayed, and an angel came and strengthened him. And he prayed so, and verse 44 says, and being in an agony, he prayed the more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. He was hemorrhaging from his brow. He was hemorrhaging from his brow. Why? The blood was being shed already in the garden, atoning for man's sins. You see, you, you, you can go a long, long ways out into sin. And if the Holy Spirit of God touches your heart and draws you back, God can bring you back no, no, no matter how far you've gone. He can bring you back, bring you back to Him, giving you eternal life. And there are those, regretfully, they've gone so far, they don't want God to touch them. They renounce God. They don't want that touch of God. So I, I, I want to say tonight, this, this is a reality, this world that we're living in, and it's full of sin. It's full of wickedness, but at the close of the day, it's more important to have a relationship with Jesus. And you don't worry about what somebody says about you. Let me tell you, Christians, or let me say it this way, professing Christians will critique you and say, you're not saved because of this and this and this and this. They're not your judge. They have no power to judge you in heaven or send it you to hell. Oh, they could say, well, you're, you're, you're an adulterer. You're going to hell. You will go to hell as an adulterer if you don't make it right with God. But if you make it right, they can still find fault. They'll, they'll, you don't part your hair the right way. Don't worry about that. Because it's all about you and your walk with Jesus Christ. And none of us are at the same plateau. None of us are at the same level. Spiritually, I had four children, and I could not deal with one, the youngest, as I dealt with the oldest. They're 10 years apart. I, I couldn't deal with them. And that's the way the Father sees us as children. And he deals with us accordingly. You know, Steve Henry uh, had 13 children, and, and he's the one that, that gave me that word. He said he learned more about the Father's disposition in his personal life as he had children and he dealt with his own children, how he understood the love of God in his own life. And and, and that spoke to my heart as a, as, a, as a young man, a young parent, uh, that God, in dealing with my own children, he said, if you know how to give your children good gifts, how much more do you, you think I know how to give you, give you what you need, not what you want, but give you what you need. So I want to encourage everyone tonight, whether you're a sinner, whether you're a saint, whether you're a backslider, where you're just newly born again in Christ Jesus, maybe maybe tonight you've given your heart to Jesus. You live one day right at a time, and then, then, then tomorrow will be two days, and then a week, and then a month, and then a year. You walk with God, and don't let nobody bind you with any kind of bondage or religion. The woman at the well didn't know anything, but she said, I heard about Messiah, and you have to be the one because you told me all things that I ever I did. And then she went and told the, the city, 
come see a man that told me everything about my life. She drank from that living water, that fountain of life, that water of life. Jesus said, I am that water of life. If you knew who I was, you would ask to drink of this water. She said, what are you talking about? You don't even have anything to draw water with. He said, I am the water of life. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. And too many times we get caught up in the trappings of religion and things. I'm so glad at the end of the day, God looks at a man's heart. And he knows whether that man has tried or whether that man has pretended or he's feigned this or feigned that or whether his heart is pure and his hands are clean. Now, he might not be the most exemplary Christian, but he's striving. He's contending. Jude said to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. So we're admonished to keep contending and pressing. So I want to encourage everyone tonight, don't let nobody discourage you. You, you develop your relationship and your walk with God. And when Jesus returns, or however the case might be, it will be well with your soul. Amen. Steve, I'm going to give it back to you, brother. Well, I think it's critical that people understand as the days grow darker, the light that God is going to place for people who are are honest. You know what I love, David? I don't, you know, look, I'm, I'm the furthest thing from a religious guy. I obviously have faults. I have so many faults. I tell people that California looks like a relatively stable plateau. But the point is, is that through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God, as the song says. And at the end of all our lives, it'll be this, to God be the glory great things he has done and this is what i you know what i'm gonna do and i think i talked to doug no i didn't i know i talked to doug about this afternoon uh we're gonna work out something because one of the greatest longings and desires i get in my email can you tell me where a church that preaches the gospel where the man of god is preaching bible and can you tell me that i get that from all over the world now ladies and gentlemen only God knows that. I can't possibly know that. But I'm I'm working on something with uh, Rhonda, my my uh, social media manager, that I think is going to provide the answer for that. I'm just I'm not teasing or baiting, but one of the cries of people's hearts is, "Listen, God's got a family." And and I I heard Savelle Phillips tell and I, I, a wonderful story. The jungles in New Guinea were filled with warring tribes, and they had a uh, uh, if you will, a, a trading of children called tribute children where uh, the child from one village would be raised in the village of uh, former enemies and vice versa. And one of the most powerful chiefs, the high, chiefs in the highland of New Guinea came to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And what won him was the basis of Jesus being the tribute child for all warring tribes provided by God the Father. I'll tell you what, David, I mean, you couldn't keep a dry eye. It's so illustrated. And the chief statement was, Papa God, he a good God. Papa God <laughs> want his family back. Now, wow. I guess that's at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, here's what I want to say to you all. Papa God, he a good God. Papa God want his family back. And, you know, Obviously, the devil's going to do everything to destroy you, to condemn you, convict you, belittle you, slander you, mock you, scorn you. 
and then they're going to get the, if you will, the uh, seven sisters from hell all agreeing in their email that, you know, this is no good, this is no good, and they'll take on everything because all they can produce is the ugliness within their own souls. And I was thinking, David, of the scripture, uh, you know, and, and, and it's really important, I think people understand this. A whole lot of people say they know Jesus, but at that day, will Jesus say, I know you? Or will he say, depart from me, ye who work iniquity, I never knew you? And, you know, I think it's critical that people understand that. A relationship with the living God is a two-way street. And one of the great sadnesses is, unfortunately, that people haven't been taught how to pray, how to how to uh, seek the voice of God. And the voice of God comes naturally when you familiarize yourself with the Word. The more you familiarize yourself with the Word, and, and I, my, my recommendation was, is and still is, is you quote it out loud. You have to. Some people are taught... Uh, through sight, others are taught through sound. But doesn't the Bible teach by our words we are justified and by our words we are condemned? It doesn't say by our thoughts. It says by our words. And let the man whom the Lord has redeemed say so. With our mouth confession is made unto salvation. So ladies and gentlemen, you've got something to talk about, but it's not your neighbor. You've got someone to talk to, but it's not your telephone buddy. You've got some face to seek, and it's not on the faces of death book. You don't have to go to Twitter, Tweeter, or Twatter, because it's nothing but, uh, you know, a, a distraction. You don't have to go to Instagram, because you're going to immediately get on your knees after the show and just bow your head. No matter what messed up your life is, no matter how screwed up you are, and I've got to tell you something, David, nobody had to tell me how screwed up I was. I knew that only one person could fix me, and that person would have to be God, because I was broken beyond all repair. I didn't know I needed a Savior until Hal Lindsey presented it to me, you know, 46 years ago. And then when he said, Jesus loves you, I thought, immediately in my heart, only the real God, the living God, and that's all I knew about God was what I heard from Hal Lindsey that night, could forgive me, because I knew what a total... Uh, I don't even know the word to use that won't embellish sin, but uh, let's just say this. I knew how my life was in the guttermost, yet in a matter of minutes in repentance and calling upon the name of the Lord, I went from the guttermost to the uttermost. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't instantaneous. You know, I'm, I'm walking with Jesus. Well, forgive me. I'm stumbling with periods of walking with Jesus for 46 years. But i got to share with everyone out there that you think you've gone be too far. The fact that you're listening tonight means you have not gone too far. If you had, you wouldn't be listening tonight. If you've done gross, you know, horrible things, God will forgive you. If you're thinking of blowing your brains out, don't. Because God gave you that brain to encompass the wonders of his creation, to embrace the magnificence of his love. And you are loved. So again, I say this. My prayer is for God to literally fulfill his word, the he puts the uh, lonely in families. He's got a family, and 
and I was talking to Doug about, you know, you've got to do this now to be so careful, and we're believing God to give us a, a if you will, a script, not a script, but a, to see that we do it the way God wants it done to protect everybody. Because, listen, I, I think you remember, David, and I don't even remember her name now, some lady trying to, you know, connect people, not, not a dating service, but just connecting people, and she took it on herself to take the place of God and also the Holy Spirit. It didn't work. And I allowed people to basically uh, say the need constitutes the call. It doesn't. But now there is a need there. So people don't have to go through this on their own, lonely. Because, again, quite candidly, you know, you can't fight what you've got to fight. The Scripture says a threefold cord is not easily broken. And so you can't stand alone. In essence, you can buy all the prep stuff in the world, and it's right that you get what you can, but you can't carry it all, and you can't stay up 24-7, even if you're, you know, uh, super dosing on speed because you'll crash. And if you got go pills that the military gives, again, it takes a toll on your body. But two people praying, one sleeping, one watching in prayer, it's interesting. You don't have to be a dumb virgin, and a dumb virgin is an unwise virgin. And I'd, inc- I'd, excuse me, I'd encourage everybody to go on uh, uh, Pastor Langford on YouTube and read the uh, parable of the Ten Virgins, or the presentation of Ten Virgins. The last time I looked before YouTube started screwing with the numbers, David, it was uh, like a half a million. So there are some wise virgins out there uh, who are prepared for the coming of the Lord. And ladies and gentlemen, again, I just want to thank those of you who pray for our safety, pray for our family's safety. We pray for you. And keep, please, you know, keep the uh, eyes on the prize. And the prize is like David said, God loves you so much. He put the uh, limit of uh, longevity on us so that we could go and be with him out of a corrupt world. Because I want to share this. As I am enabled and prompted to, I will share what the Lord has told me to share. But there's a time. Again, I'll give this last time, and then I'll turn it over to you, David, take it, finish it out. A word fitly spoken season, how sweet it is. There is a time for people to hear, and there's a time for people to, to deny. Uh, you know, we are going to see the time when people's denial will not deliver them. Here's a statement. Den- Denial will not deliver them from the destruction that is to come and is soon fast approaching, but they're falling on their knees and the power of God and the person of the Holy Spirit moving through them. It is God who delivers us, and it is God who will carry us through. Doug, I want to just say thank you, bless you. I want to say, Joe, God bless you guys. Thank you for making your platform available to us, and I want to say to everybody out there listening, all you have to do is fall on your knees and say, God, help me. Now, if you're dishonest, that won't work, but ask the Lord if he's there. Say, Jesus, I've screwed up my life. Uh, obviously, I'm living in sin. Just be honest. I got news for you. He knows it anyway. That's one thing I learned, Pastor David, immediately in my early Christian walk. There's nothing I could do or even wanted to do, and even that which I did that I didn't want to do, that God didn't know. But those four powerful letters, help, followed by Jesus, are the most, I would say this, the most uh, powerful words in creation. Thank you, everybody. Go ahead, Pastor. I want to close tonight with Luke 18, the parable of the 
Pharisee, the tax collector. Luke 18 and 9, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Jesus said, there are two men, and there was a certain man that trusted in himself, and he was self-righteous, and he despised other men. The one was a Pharisee, the other was a publican. He was a public tax collector. So everyone, for the most part, despised the publican. But the Pharisee stood and he prayed with himself. That's a, that's a grave danger when you pray with yourself. You see, his prayer never got out of the room, out of the temple. It never went above his head. Why? Because he prayed thus with himself. When you pray, you want God to hear you. And God embraces humility. God wants you to come before his throne. But we must understand we must come in humility and not in self-righteous or bigotry, but, but as humble people. And so he's, he's declaring to God his righteousness. And he says, God, I thank you. I'm not as other men are, extortioner, unjust, adulterer, or even as this publican. So he looked down on the tax collector because he perceived the tax collector to be unrighteous. But he deemed himself as a very righteous Pharisee. And he talked about the things he did. He said, I fast twice at the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Everything the Pharisee did was works that he could do. He can do without food. I can do without food. I can give tithes. You can give tithes. Those are all the things that are relative to works. What Jesus does for you, no man can do it. No man has the power. No man has the ability. Anything that I can do for you has nothing to do with your salvation. That's why Paul said in Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. I can do righteous work. I can pray. I can fast. I can tithe. I can give to missionaries. Those are righteous works, but there's something that I can do. Anything that you can do relative to your salvation tells you it's not got anything to do with your salvation. What Jesus did is what you can't do for yourself. You, you, men can do so much for themselves. They can go to church, they can fast, they can pray, they can tithe, they can do all sorts of things. That's just works. And Paul said, not by works 
of righteousness, which we have done, they are goodly works. They're godly works. They're righteous works. But they still have nothing to do with salvation. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. You're saved because of God's mercy. That's how we're saved. Because of God's mercy. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. He has saved us by the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. It's the Spirit of God that changes the heart of a man. You see, I I can't change your heart. I'm a preacher, but I can't change your heart. I can preach to you, but I can't change your heart. I can serve you communion. I still cannot change your heart. I, I can do all sorts of things for you, but I can't change your heart. And we're not talking about the cardiovascular system and the pump of the heart. We're talking about the spirit of a man. And so this Pharisee was just that. He was a Pharisee. And he, he was extolling all the things he did. But notice the publican. Notice the tax collector. He was standing afar off, demonstrating humility having no righteousness, having no self-righteousness, he would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven. He kept his eyes down the whole time. And while he had his head and his eyes down, that's a state of repentance. He smote his own breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man, that wouldn't look up, wouldn't lift up his eyes, kept his head down. This man who smote his breast and said, God, I'm a sinner. This man went down to his house justified. That is one of the most powerful words in the New Testament. Justified. Can I justify anybody? Nope. Can you justify anybody? Nope. Is there anything that anybody can do to justify themselves? No. No. There's nothing that a person can do to justify themselves. Now, you may try to justify your actions. You may try to justify your deeds. You may try to justify your words. And that is the personification of hypocrisy. You're trying to do that through your own ability, your own skills. But it won't work justified. What a beautiful word. It's God doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. It is God that justifies the heart, and he cleanses the heart. Again, it's not a physical heart. It's the spiritual heart. Jesus understood justification. He said, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. He didn't say he was saved. He didn't say he was born again. He didn't mention any of those things. He said, but one thing, he went down to his house justified rather than the other. Nobody can justify you but God. It's called justification. That was the great revelation of Luther, that a man is justified by faith. Romans 5 and 1, he's justified by his faith and what Jesus Christ did upon the cross. Nothing else. We are justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. We're justified by his vicarious, efficacious work on the cross. Romans 5 and 1. Therefore being justified by 
faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, there's a, there's a natural hostility. There's a natural enmity between God and man. Why? God is righteous, man is unrighteous. God is holy, man's unholy. God is not lost, man is lost. But he says, you're justified, and because you're justified, you have peace. Paying my tithes does not give me peace. None of those things give me peace, but my faith in what Jesus did gives me peace with God. And who's it through? Who's it by? He said, by our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what does it. And that's the only thing that can make you what you ought to be. And I want to encourage you tonight. I know our time is gone. But I want you to see the the, the parallel, the dichotomy, the difference here between those who believe that somehow what they do has something to do with their salvation. You don't have any part in it. If you could, you didn't need a Savior. You didn't need a Redeemer. You didn't need anybody. You could save yourself, but you can't. And that's why the only one that could satisfy God's demand for man's sin was Jesus Christ. I want to close with two verses. Leviticus 17, 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your soul, for it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. What atones for the soul? The blood. What redeems the soul? The blood. And then Revelation 1, 5, John said, Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. He said his blood is what washes our sins. That's what removes the guilt. That's what removes the shame. Now, it's nothing physical. This is all spiritual, and you have to understand it. That's the great revelation. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So if you're not where you need to be with Christ, you find yourself tonight a place to pray and get on your knees and say, God, I I beseech you, be merciful to me, a sinner, through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And by faith, I know I'll be justified. Nobody can ever justify anything about their lives. But Jesus is the one who makes us clean and whole and justified to stand before God as though we were never guilty of anything, any sin, or any shame. Joe, I'll give it back to you, brother. All right, well, Doug here, and uh, just okay, want to say Doug. thank you, uh, th- thank you, Pastor Langford, and thank you, Steve. Uh, both of you together. Th- this was an inspiring, informational, ins- inspirational uh, uh, program tonight. I think that there are a lot of people out there. You know, in, in closing, a lot of people out there are looking and are searching. You know, it's uh, the news today. It's like drinking from a fire hose. We're just getting inundated by by everything. Everything's being uh, becoming an emotional issue and frankly uh pastor in, in closing and steve you know i'm waiting for that 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 spark to hit the dry tinder and to change life as we know it because the the vile hatred the viciousness is just ramping up as you said accelerating um i can't think of a better descriptive word than acceleration for what we're seeing to, seeing right now and Amen. Uh, you know, it's so, so I think every again, what you said, and, and uh, you both, you and Steve, from uh, the moment we be, uh, went on air until now, 
is so important, I think, for people to understand that we are in a different environment today. And I think that if, if we don't pay attention and we and if we don't pray and don't use discernment, um, we're going to be headed for a lot of trouble. So let's avoid that and uh, get on our knees tonight. Thank God for our blessings and also thank uh, and, and, and pray for our state and the state of the nation and the state of uh, humanity, I suppose. So I thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Doug. Have a good All night, right. everyone. God bless you. You too, Steve. Good night. Steve, thank you so much. Okay. And uh, I, want, I want to remind people again, Branson filling up and uh, Forbidden History DVD. What did I forget? I forgot. Oh, that your book's coming out, right, Steve? Yep, and, and we'll be sending those out probably uh, just because they're at the printers now printing, and those will be, uh, oh, good night. What is <laughs> what is the date today? The 20th? Those right. should be going out the, the last week in uh, June. And, again, I thank everybody that's been patient. I just had to add to it. You know, you think you, when, you, when you write books, you think you've said it all, and <laughs> one article or one email can change it. So uh, this is the first time ever we left something this open-ended because, honestly, Doug, I can see writing books about ancient discoveries and, you know, doing videos and stuff. And by the way, just let me make this clear. The video that we've got the new one, it's a different series than True Legends. Tim is in Peru with our film crew uh, filming the next True Legends episode, but this is a corollary uh, Forbidden History Revealed, and this is the first time we've ever had an eyewitness to all the cover-up of the giants and the skeletons of the Smithsonian. Eyewitness, unimpeachable. Also, you'll read about a 21-foot giant that was found in Montgomery, Alabama, alive, triangular-shaped mouth, uh, vertical slits for eyes. And what I've done is put together, I think, some of the most compelling evidence. And the reason why this is covered up and covered over is because it rewrites history. And I believe before Jesus comes, he's laying out the real history of the world. And And then just remember this. All the secret DNA, all the secret technology, all the hidden technology, all the alien messing in the human genome, that's all going to be made known. And by the grace of God, we get to play a small part in it. I think that, again, I sent it to you, Doug, so you could uh, bear witness that it is probably some of the most phenomenal information. We had Greg Semkow, one of the best concept artists, uh, illustrate the stuff. Obviously, I can't go back into 1877, even with a flux capacitor at this point, to uh, take the pictures. But the point being is it lays it out so specifically, so uh, concisely, and it shows you that the people that have controlled the dialogue from the beginning are now being shown for the frauds that they have been. And their whole purpose was to dominate real history for the for the control of secret societies who would uh, induct people in, tell them the real history, and make them think that they're special and better than other people. Uh, this is yeah. going to be shipped on the 7th of July. It's at Disc Makers right now. So, ladies and gentlemen, I think you'll find our new Forbidden History series. This thing's been a long time in the making. I think it'll blow your mind, and there's plenty of evidence, and then you just obviously have to decide, is the evidence there to show you why the greatest cover-up and cover-over of history is now being blown? In other words, they can't keep it hidden any longer. Doug, God bless you. God bless you, brother. 
Bye bye. Uh, all right. Uh, bye bye. And uh, by the way, I, folks, this is one of the. This is the only DVD, or the only, uh, the tr- truly st- Steve Quayle. But this is the only DVD that my wife actually watched with me and said, "Is there more? Please tell me there's more." And uh, this wants or leaves you wanting for more, but covers so much. Um, believe me, it's a great. And, and oh, there's one section in there I can't tell you about it, but. Um, it just absolutely blew my mind, and when I started get dive, doing a deep dive into it, oh, let me tell you, for, uh, folks, Forbidden History revealed available July seventh. Thank you, tremendous. And uh, Steve, you're still there. God bless you, my friend. Thank you so much for tonight, folks. Tomorrow, uh, nine o'clock, Doug Hagman Radio Show, and uh, oh, don't forget to join us back here tonight, John, uh, along with uh, Melissa and uh, and Anthony are in. Spokane for the Red Pill Expo. It's going to be exciting. Good night, everyone.